Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present, to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey. I've always been the kind of girl that hid my face. So afraid to tell the world what I've got to say. But I have this dream right inside of me i'm gonna let it show it's time to let yeah, you everyone. know it's about you know
inside of me. I need to find you. I gotta find you. This is real. This is me. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be now. Gotta let the light shine on me. Now I found the Folks, do you see me? Well, here I am. It is so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey. This is Ryan. Welcome back to your week. This is your Monday episode. How the hell is everybody doing out there? I hope you had a fantastic weekend. I am back with a vengeance. Man, it is uh, like Friday. I was just like dead. I uh, It was just uh, doing that Beverly Hills recap. I mean, I just, yeah, <laughs> when you talk about Rena for over 2.5 hours, there's no way that you're not going to feel defeated. <laughs> but I'm back with a positive outlook, and we are ready to take on the week. And this is a very important week, folks, because not only is it the uh, the beginning of the reunion from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, not only do we welcome back Real Housewives of Potomac, the first episode came on tonight, you gotta watch that, it was awesome. Uh, but BravoCon is this week. For all you Bravo lovers and fans, for anybody going out there, make sure you uh, you let us know. I'll be out there with Meditza, who works with me, and I'm very, I'm beyond excited and scared and all of that stuff. And let's see if I meet Sutton or Austin, or let's see if I can get Craig to unblock me. I mean, so many, <laughs> so many questions, right? So many questions. Uh, and I hope to see a lot of you guys out there. Um, but thank you for joining me today. Now, I've taken to doing this in the last couple of weeks just to explain, because I do know there's a lot of new people that come to the show and they wonder, um, wait, first off, are there any kids around? Kick them out. Come about to they, okay. Are the kids gone? Okay. People will be like, what the fuck is this show? Like really what? No, seriously. What is wrong with this guy? These are super long. I don't like the music. It scares me. Uh, so <laughs> this is what it is. I always start with the music, a mashup. And of course, that was Michelle Branch mixed with Demi Lovato from one of the most amazing films of all time. That's right, Camp Rock. And I play that for a very specific reason. Not only am I a huge Michelle Branch fan, but I got to meet her this weekend. And I want to talk about that in just a second because um, that was awesome. And she's awesome. But uh, we do the music, but there'll be a timestamp. If you're like, I, I fudge and hate music, as uh, Lisa Barlow's son would say on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, I fudge and hate college. Um, so you can skip that music, right? If you don't like this part, you're like, I don't love when Ryan talks to himself. And even though he has an amazingly sexy voice, I don't like it. You can skip past that. You can go right to that moment where me and Sophie start our pop culture roundup. Now, you'd be like, Ryan, that's a normal podcast right there. But then what happens when you're truly insane, you do more, right? Because I can't, you know, I'm going to, I, I, you're going to love me, folks. Eventually, you will love me. It's going to take some time, but you'll get there. 
So what will happen is I'll put a timestamp where we're going to start the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City Episode 2 recap. So you are in for a long ride. But what's great is that these are little little treasure troves that you can keep and treasure forever. You can bring out your old iPod. Your old iPod and just sit here and cherish these podcasts. But there's so many, so much in each episode. And I know, I know, I know, I know that that can sometimes come off as daunting, right? But don't really worry about that. It's just a podcast. If you dig it, cool. If you don't, I know there's so many short form podcasts out there. Listen, they're awesome. I wish I could do short form. It's something that eventually I am going to look into doing it. But there is just too much to say. And there is too much fun to be had. And there's too many emotions flowing through me at all times. And I need to share that with you guys. So you are doing me a favor by being here today. But I really, truly believe there's something for everybody here. We talk about the Southern Charm today, Beverly Hills, Potomac, um, uh, what am I missing? We, we, I mean, we really go around the world. We, oh, have you heard of this asshole named Kanye West? Of course, we talk about his weekend antics. I was really trying to steer away, uh, from it the last week. And then he did something so abrasively disgusting to me where I have no space to really go there with him, even if he is mentally unwell. Uh, there is just no place for hate on this podcast, uh, except, uh, for Lisa Renna. And sometimes Erica Jane and sometimes Jack Taylor. Other than that, no place for hate on this podcast. Okay? So, you know, we want to have fun together. Um, If there is something you disagree with, that's great. What's so cool is that we can all have our own opinions, right? Even though listeners of the past, uh, for you new listeners, uh, just know that I'm always right. Like, so, but it's cool that you, if you disagree, that's cool. But at the end of the day, uh, I've, I'm, I've been proven to be right. So <laughs> we even spill some tea today about uh, an announcement we might be hearing at BravoCon in terms of the new Real Housewives of New York. Um, there's just so much I want to share and talk with you about. So this is where we do it. I'm going to be giving you a full week of shows. And with that, like I said, you're going to, you get two shows in one tomorrow. We got a guest and a Southern charm, uh, reunion recap. Like who the hell does that? I probably should split these up. Maditza and Sandra, uh, should I, should I be splitting these into two episodes or do you guys like the, I just sometimes feel like, you know, people see that two plus hours and they get like, they're like their butthole clenches and they're like, how the hell do I do that? You know? I don't know. Maybe I should. Anyways, probably not the time to talk about that right now because we're we're already here, baby. We gotta we gotta go. Okay, a couple of things. I'm on cameo, and I got to do a couple of cameos this weekend. That I always love doing these because I really it's like my podcast. These are like three hour cameos I end up doing, but I did uh, I did three this weekend that really made me laugh. Um, I did one for. Uh, <laughs> For Brandon, that was booked by his wife Jesse, and um, it was pretty much like having me thank him for letting her listen to me so much. So I, I was just like felt so bad, and then I, I didn't put this in the message. But Jesse, I hope you got him something else because if you just got him me as a cameo, and it was me thanking him for letting you listen to so much of me, I feel like that even might make him hate me even more. If that makes sense. Uh, also, uh, but so, but anyways, happy birthday. To, to you, Brandon. And uh, then I did one for Christy Walker. And Christy Walker, it was for her and her girls. But I didn't know if it was like girls as in daughters or like my girls, like my homies. And it turns out she wrote back after I sent it. It is 
it actually was her daughter's. And I, you know, you guys, that's what I always love to picture is just families gathered around a hearth, a fire, if you will, and kind of like listening to the podcast, like an old school radio show. It's really my dream. And I'm like, wow, my dream is coming true. So Christy Walker, that wasn't even for your birthday. You did, that was just something for you and your girls. And I got to do all your voices and scare all the Beverly Hills voices and scare them. And then we have one, from uh, for Jenny, whose birthday was either this past Friday or next Friday, she turned the very young age of fifty, and she said her friend says she's in love with me. So what? What up? Hey, what's going on? How you doing? All right, all right. Um, <laughs> so I sent her one outside of the uh, the Black Keys concert I went to last night at the Forum. So anyways, happy birthday, all of you guys. I am available on Cameo, and you might want to do it this week or later in the week because I will be at BravoCon, so I'll probably get to do some really stupid, silly cameos there if that is something that would wet your whistle. My God, I don't know why I talk like a grandfather. I don't even have kids, and I feel like at all times I'm about to pop out a Werther's original and tell somebody to sit on my lap while I read them a bedtime story. Um, So yeah, BravoCon this week. Okay, so last night or yesterday, you know how the weekend can just change on a dime? I had gone through the week. I was exhausted. So on Friday night, I – and by the way, I read a review or – I don't usually read reviews because they hurt my feelings sometimes. But Sandra sent me one and uh, it was was mainly good. I think it was a really good one. And she said it was like listening to a friend. And I love that because I consider you guys my friends. So – um. So Friday night I was burnt and I I knocked myself out at eight. Like I was watch- I finally started watching Bachelor in Paradise, and that thing is a mess. All these these sexy singles and like a water surrounding, and I'm just like, how far have we fallen humanity wise? That this <laughs> first off that this is what I'm watching on a Friday night, and then I was like, and then I fell asleep during it. Thank God, but then I woke up in the middle of episode two, and I had slept for I guess like. Like, so two hours I was asleep for, and I wake up to, like, some water competition, which is just really jarring after you've been awake for most of the week, and then you wake up to a bachelor in paradise, like, some kind of competition in swimsuits, and I was like, where, where am I? Who, why are these ripped bodies doing things? What am I, why, is this porn? What am I watching? And... I got out of that. And don't you hate when your body then can't go back to sleep? Your body, my body was like, well, dude, you chose to fall asleep at eight. And now I'm going to make you be up for like three or four hours. And I just sat there and I was, it was, I was still so tired that I was dazed for like an hour and a half where I was like, and then it was that thing of like, I can't even decide what to watch. Like, I don't want to watch Bravo because it is, I've watched so much Bravo this week. And then I was, and it, it was that thing that we always talk about, you guys, that thing where we have everything at our disposal, everything, and you can't find anything to watch. Because my mind wasn't then wanting to continue to watch Bachelor in Paradise, no offense to Bachelor in Paradise, but then I went and I was like, I got so tired at some point where I was like, do I go back to watching that Dahmer series on Netflix that I fucking hated? And I was like, no, don't do that. And then I was like, do I watch Seinfeld episodes more? And then I started making lists, like a packing list for BravoCon, and I was making notes. And then I was like, no, 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 your, your therapist says don't, don't work when you do just try to relax. And I, you know, I'm so into work mode this, this last three years, <laughs> last three years. So I just, uh. Yeah, I eventually fell back asleep, but it was a long time. So anyways, yeah, Saturday, I wake up, and I wake up to the best 
text message ever is from my friend Shauna. You might know her. She actually has this really cool personal like wrapping paper business, Shav's Paper. I'm going to give her a plug here if you guys really – you might already know uh, of her. Uh, Shav's Paper is the brand or that's where you can find them on Instagram. And she does these really personal wrapping papers and like all this stuff. I think I'm going to order from her for so bad. It's good this holiday season, but she is a nanny as well for like, she's a professional nanny for like celebrities and she has like a whole celebrity, like nanny crew. They all work for celebrities and stuff. And just the awesomest person. She was part of this girl group, which <laughs> makes it sound like it's in sync. Uh, no, but like, if you guys are longtime listeners of the podcast, you remember when I first, gosh, it's about probably four and a half years now, five years, or when I, I got separated and then divorced, I didn't even realize Facebook groups existed, which by the way, go follow the So Bad It's Good Facebook group. So many nice messages in there this weekend. Um, so I didn't even know Facebook existed in terms of like all these people loving Bravo the way they did. So I was introduced to this whole new world and I, I made friends with this whole group of girls, Amanda, Ashana, Lindsay, uh, Ramona Fax, Laura, Shorty. I mean, there was like, it was just a bunch of, a great group of girls that kind of helped me through this really weird time in my life. And I have not really, like, I maybe saw Shauna once or twice over quarantine, maybe. I'm trying to remember. But she texts me Saturday morning, and I'm in bed, and I'm like, oh, okay, it's the weekend. I got tons of stuff to do. And she says, um, she goes, I know you're a whore for a concert. I have an extra ticket to the Black Keys shows, Black Keys show at the forum tonight at the at, with forum club access if you want to go. It's free. And I'm like... First off, two, three words in there that I love, uh, whore, uh, which I am one of, sorry, Taylor from Southern Charm, free, another huge word for me, love free, and I love the word concert. So within that one text exchange that she had sent me, I was just like, what a dream text. And I was like, you know what? I can do this. I can go to this concert. Now, the thing that held me up, you guys, is my love of Michelle Branch. Now, you heard in the beginning part of the show that mashup of Camp Rock and Michelle Branch. Now, I love Michelle Branch. I think a talented solo artist, and she also has that kind of country group called The Wreckers. Now, of course, that Everywhere song, when did that come out? Like 2003 or 2002? But it was right around that time when you had these pop bangers about love. You know, the Vanessa Carltons of the world. Uh, you know, the Michelle branches, I mean, you could throw, like, there was like this, but there's something so pop, sicky, sweet in the best way about that Michelle branch song that is just an instant banger that you will remember for the rest of your life. She's everywhere to me and uh, just so good. It's so good. And anyways, she, she is married to Patrick Carney, the drummer of the black keys who I've seen a bunch of times live, but I'm like, okay. But they have had a little situation, a little mix-up in the past month where he allegedly might have had an affair. And she, I, I, you know, I talked about it on this show and people were, uh, I think, very disagreeing of my take on it um, because, well, anyways, you can go back and check it out. Anyways, the, the thing is, I think they're back together because – she was there and I got to meet her and I got to go backstage and it was just really wild. It was like a totally different experience for seeing a concert where it's like the black keys always awesome. 
Patrick, I don't, I mean, you're probably not listening. I don't agree with cheating, not a fan uh, on my reality shows or in real life, but uh, very cool to be like, so then I got to go backstage because Shauna is friends with the baby's nanny. And so then I got back and Michelle, that was, and Michelle's beautiful. She was like all put together and she's like, and then Michelle Branch had to breastfeed her baby and she was like, oh, no, it's okay. You come in. And I was like, oh, no, I don't. I was like, I don't want to watch Michelle Branch breastfeed her baby. Like, I was like, so I like the, the room was kind of curved and I just kind of sat and looked to the right. Um, but then I was like looking at all the things in the dressing room and it was like, like all the rock clothes and like the booze set up and all of that stuff. And I was like, how cool is this? Of course, it being in typical, so bad, it's good fashion. Of course, I'm back there, not in terms of like a motley crew, hard partying backstage thing. I was literally there while somebody was breastfeeding their baby, but it was Michelle Branch. And I was just like, man, if I could go back 20 years ago and tell that tell little, little Ryan that he would someday be in the same area as Michelle Branch breastfeeding her child, I would probably say you need to go back to college. That's we got to we we've that might not be the right place to be. No, it was so exciting. Thank you to Shauna for having me. It was so cool to get out and especially after such a crazy week. So, uh, but I, Michelle Branch, man, I was like, that was, that was so exciting for me. It was almost more exciting than seeing the black keys. Cause I was, Michelle Branch has such a specific memories of, for me of that specific place in time. And that's why I love pop culture, right? Like these moments, these moments of pop culture, whether it be a reality show moment from Vanderpump Rules season one of Jack's taking off his chunky sweater to the chorus of Everywhere by Michelle Branch, we cement these things in our hearts and they give us joy and they give us meaning and they kind of are the soundtrack or the visual track of our lives. And that's what this show at its best should celebrate. Um, so it was just such a fun time. Shauna, you killed it. Thank you so much for thinking of me. Uh, if you like this podcast, please leave it five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. A lot of you guys have been doing that. I really, really appreciate it. And do that for any podcast you listen to. It really, truly does mean everything. And especially for new shows, not even this show, but new shows especially need your help so they can keep doing this. If you think a podcaster is really putting in the work, go give them that five star. It really, really does help. Also, I want to th- uh, say a happy birthday to a very special baddie. That's what we call ourselves, the baddies over on Patreon and Amy Field. She recapped like all of last season of Potomac with me. I need to have her back on to re- recap uh, Potomac with me this season at some point because um, I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing with Potomac because it is so good. The first episode blew me away. It's so fun. Um, but Amy Field, happy birthday to you. She has been with me, a listener. I consider her a friend since the beginning, and it is her birthday, so I hope you had the best birthday ever, Amy. Thank you so much. She actually sent me an email about clothing options for BravoCon because you guys know I cannot dress myself. So people like Amy are necessary for me in my life. She sent me um, uh, color options, links, things to order. So hopefully if you see me at BravoCon, I will not be in my basketball shorts. If you do see me in my basketball shorts at BravoCon, you know something went horribly, horribly wrong. So (laughs) happy birthday, Amy. Uh, I love you. And uh, okay, we got Michelle Branch, cameos. Oh, last week I guested on tons of pods. And tomorrow I'll be on Up and Adam Live on YouTube at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So it's early. We'll be talking Potomac and some messy hot topics over on his YouTube channel. And he's got a new podcast with his dude, Jason, for it's called uh, Too Messy. 
Check that out. I was guest on it last week, as well as comments by celebs, uh, their podcast on Friday. So there is so much of me to go around right now. It might seem too much, but I love this so much. And there's, I don't know, I, I, I tell you guys this every week. I know I need to cut down, but it's just, how can you, there's too much cool stuff going on. And I keep thinking like, man, if I, Maritza always says, you know, you got to work smarter, not harder. And I'm like a, like I said, always like a thick head. It takes me a while to learn that or to learn anything in general. But at, at the same time, like I, I truly love doing this. And when it's, it, it just, it's, it's hard to rein, rein it in when you get, you sit down and you're like, oh, I, I have so many things to tell you guys. Um, so who knows? I do need to make a challenge for myself one day. Also, happy birthday to Danny Pellegrino. I was texting with him today. Uh, Danny's an inspiration of mine. Uh, funny, hysterical, kind man. So I cannot wait to see what this next year brings for him. And that is it. There's going to be a lot of pop culture stories we're leaving off today because we do a heavy Bravo one, but of course talk about Kanye and Kim. And there's tons of other things. We talk about the Try Guys today, um, talk about things like that. But remember, we got a whole week uh, ahead to talk about more and more stuff. But I want to get to this. We'll do Sophie, right? It's fun. This is actually a really, really fun one. We both had a good time. And uh, then we'll take a commercial break and we'll come back and we will do Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, episode two recap, where you'll hear, I'm Whitney. I'm having a party in Scottsdale, Arizona. So, uh, okay, you guys, here she is from the podcast. So true with Sophie Ross, Sophie Ross. Welcome to your week. This is the Pop Culture Roundup. Uh, I co-host these every Monday with Sophie Ross from the popular podcast, So True with Sophie Ross. She just had an excellent interview with Winter Mitchell this past week. And especially if you like long form, that's my style. It was an hour and 40 minutes, you guys. That is what I'm talking about with an interview. Uh, you can also find her Substack, which Freddie Mellencamp, fun fact, daughter of John Mellencamp, is a huge fan of. Uh, we're going to be talking about a, a lot of topics. It's very late because her favorite sports team, the Bengals just lost in a very close game that I was following on my, uh, on my phone. Sophie, welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, I mean, I'm obviously a little bit sad about that loss, but had a great day today. It's actually, today is my anniversary with my boyfriend wasn't and, it just his birthday? We couldn't combine the two? Yeah, it was his birthday. We did kind of combine celebrations. Okay. But, and I was like, oh, it's like, I don't even remember exactly when our like first date was. And we like count our anniversary as like our actual first date because we were like immediately dating after our first date. Um, wait, wait, did no, you guys, did, did you guys decide it like both like we're like, we're both no. super into each other or like how no we weren't like we're boyfriend girlfriend right now <laughs> no it wasn't that because you know how some people like define the relationship or they define the anniversary when they define the relationship yeah like we just defined it as our first date because we like immediately just were only seeing each other and like in love basically it was love at first sight but so it's, it's, it, it feels like it's been longer than a year i know is that crazy no it's been a year exactly this is our first date Oh my God. You could have told me it's been three years and I'd be like, yeah, I remember when you guys weren't we're dating. Like, I don't even know where I am right or what month it is or anything. Well, congratulations for that. That makes up for the crushing defeat of the Bengals. I know. And by the way, you know, the only thing is I, I was actually checking cause I cared. And then I saw it was so close. Like they were up by a point and then they must, I went to the bathroom and then all of a sudden it was over. And no, I thought I was yeah. like, Oh, Sophie's going to be so psyched that they won. And then they lost. No. 
No, I was uncomfortable anyway, because when you're only up by one point and then they have a very good kicker. So I was like, all they have to do is get into field goal range and kick a field goal and then they win. So I was like uncomfortable. I was like, it's over. And my boyfriend's team is the Eagles and they're five and oh. So oh, like I so, wow. that, but like whatever. Well, this guy's having the time of his life right now. Birthday, anniversary celebration, his team's winning. This guy's on top of the world. And your team law, I mean, you get, I guess, to have him. Um, okay, <laughs> let's just let's get into it because I know it's 11 30 at night where you are. Um, I know, I'm sorry. So, so late. No, no. I mean, listen, you support your team. Uh okay, let's get into it. I said something last. I was trying not to talk about this dude again, but then he did something last night that was so disgusting to me. And also I watched both nights of his Tucker Carlson interview, which I had never watched Tucker Carlson before. That is a wild show. Um, Kanye West said something so offensive even to me last night. And I, I wrote something in my stories that I now regret. I said something about, I've got to remember this is a sick man. And, but I, I do have to point out that there's a lot of people that deal with mental health, myself included, that is not anti, that, that are not right. anti-Semitic. What is DEFCON 3, which is, I think he meant DEFCON. And he said, when I get in, a, it's like war with Jew, Jewish people in the morning. He yeah, said that wait, last night on Twitter. I didn't know. It's called DEFCON 3. Yeah. And I didn't know what that meant. So like I asked some people and they were like, it's like a military term for when yeah. you're like completely armed and ready to go. So what he tweeted was, I'm a bit sleepy tonight, but when I wake up, I'm going DEFCON 3 on Jewish people in all caps. The funny thing is I actually can't be anti-Semitic because black people are actually Jew also. You guys have toyed with me and tried to blackball anyone whoever opposes your agenda. So just like extremely scary anti-Semitism. I mean, that's not even, there's no, I, I, I want to be like, I, I always try to be humorous, but that made, that enraged me. And it got me to the point where this is so sad where I was like, I'm going to go burn all my Kanye shirts, which just shows you like, I'm like, fuck, I'm at like burning things territory. Like this is scary. And the fact that he is so rich now, like it, it is truly off the, the, the map and the thing that he affects the culture. He got kicked off of Instagram because he's been like just going crazy all week on there. Then he goes over to Twitter and within 12 hours, he's uh, I think off Twitter now as well. How sleepy do you have to be to admit your true intentions towards uh, a race of people? I mean, like, come on, like that's, completely right. anti-Semitic. You're Jewish. How does that, I mean, and first off, just so you're like, there's no secret plan to, to get Kanye, right? Sophie, you don't have, you're not okay. aware of some secret if plan. If there is some secret cabal of Jews running the world, like I wasn't invited. So Wouldn't you want to be invited to? I mean, if this is happening, like, let me know. But like, I no, no Jews that I know are involved in running the world. Like that, I mean- if people want to think that that's like the I've I've retweeted a lot of things about this, but I think that anti-Semitism functions so differently from other forms of racism because it's like a conspiracy theory. So it's not just like prejudice. It's like and and Yair Rosenberg, I think I don't know how to pronounce his name, yeah. but he's this amazing writer who's written for The Atlantic extensively about anti-Semitism. And he tweeted something how it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I see this a lot where if someone tweets anti-Semitism and then their tweet gets taken down or whatever it is, it they're like, it's confirming their biases that the Jews are running everything. And this is like, I mean, this is a frequent, frequent thing that I see a lot of 
people on different subjects involving Jews. I'm not going to get into everything, but it's no, like- no, no. I mean, I, I mean, I've but also we're li- we're living in the time where conspiracy theories run rampant. It's like the sexy thing from QAnon right. to this bullshit. Right. So it's and, like so easy. And also to be clear, the part that he tweeted about how black people are the real Jews is um, it's a it's black Hebrew Israelites, and that's Louis Farrakhan who. Many people know. Guys, if you get into Farrakhan, enjoy. If if you if you get into Farrakhan, please just stop listening to this podcast because you just you don't you believe that I'm a termite and that I worship Satan. Essentially, it is what he believes, and that's kind of the thing. Is that the the people that call themselves Jews now really they they took over the. the identity of Jews from the real Jews, which are black people. And that's what the black Hebrew Israelites thing think is that they're the real Jews and that we're all like, you know, just in disguise pretending to be Jews and we stole their identity. And it's like, why does my DNA test just tell me that I'm Jewish? I want to know the origin of the country. 20, 23 and me, stuff. what is going on? 23 and me. Yeah, like, I that's, mean, it's so annoying. 23 and me, if you're Jewish, it's just like Jewish. And I'm like, but what's the country of origin? I don't get any details. I mean, that, but it's so, it's so weird though, because it's like, I, I hate, you know, I, I take mental health so seriously and I still am learning how to speak about it properly, even though I deal with it myself. And I actually just had somebody really close with me diagnosed bipolar and I'm trying to find out more about, bi, you know, bipolar and one and two and all of these things. And I'm trying to have sympathy and empathy for, but it's like at a certain point, I want this dude to shut the fuck up. Like he is made, like, I don't care how many, you should have seen him on Tucker too. Cause there was like this anti-Semitic, he turned against Jared Kushner, you guys. And he brought up the peace accords that Jared worked on. And he's like, that was just because of money. He tried to make it a Jew money thing. Like, yeah. so, and like Tucker Carlson, stupid. Fa- I'm sorry if you like Tucker, man, but that's complete fiction oh and fantasy. God. His listening face. And then he would tell the audience, he goes, a lot of people think he's crazy, but you, I mean, if you listen to that, he's making some really solid points. He's like, get a load of this guy. Yeah, it was so, and he was so, it was just so weird. And I, I don't know how you solve this because he wants to run for 2024. It's more bullshit where he's tearing people apart. This is a dude that I had some of my most fun, like times like dancing at a concert to, or just like in a car getting pumped up for an audition was his music. I had such a soft spot spot for it, but I just never predicted that this is where we would end up. And even the Kardashian of it all, you're like, oh, you, you, you know, oh man, I wish I had the Kardashians life. Do you? Kim has to deal with this on a daily basis. Like he will eventually get those kids taken away from him. She has to deal with this on a daily. I was thinking that like she has to deal with this on a daily basis and probably also is, you know, um, a lot of these mental health issues are genetic and, you know, that's, that's just something that you have to think about if your partner has a mental health issue that's this serious. And again, it's like, it's not an excuse Like, it's not an excuse because a lot of people have mental health issues and they do not turn to conspiracy theories about Jewish people or violent, threatening violence against a race of people, like you said. Like, it's not an excuse. I think that it makes you, I think some of the issues that he deals with, it makes him paranoid. It makes him turn to these beliefs that he already has because he finds them comforting for whatever reason. Um, 
But I hate but to yeah. make that association between like this is going to be a wild one, uh, Dahmer and Kanye. Every like Dahmer's one of the most streamed shows on Netflix right now, and I'm like, oh, I don't give I a fuck about his story. That. I don't give a fuck about his story. And also with the Kanye thing, I've never heard somebody go on and on about how they're being censored, and he gets like so much airtime to say whatever he wants. I've never right. seen so many some somebody say everything that they want, but at the same time say they are constantly being censored. And I'm like, dude, I have heard you say everything too many things uh that that it seems like you have a great deal of freedom of speech right and i think the thing that actually like is the most alarming to me about all of this is that before his tweet got taken down by twitter um it had so many like, people liked it and all that it stuff had, like fifty thousand likes like that is scary to me that like it's like there are fifty thousand people that read that tweet and liked it like that is like a large yeah. chunk of the Jewish population I, of the world. Like I, I, th- I think we say, and, and you, by the way, guys, you're like, it, it, it's like, you're not, there's not like, it's not, I don't know. It's very frustrating because also I'm just so you get disappointed and scared in people. Cause I think I said this to you or, or something last week where I was just like, you start to realize like, fuck, there is really truly a lot of hate out there and we can try to combat it with like good ideas and making people laugh and stuff. But sometimes it genuinely scares me. And that's why I think I, I'm into reality shows and all of this stuff, because it's such an escape from this. Why? I mean, like, and this is considered pop culture now, like that, that Tucker interview was considered pop culture instead of like a bit, you're giving airtime to, I, I listen, we don't seem to learn our lessons from history. And, and I, I mean, where the fuck do you go from here? Like, where does he, you know, is he going to get on a be real account now? Like and get, uh, where, where can he even get his message out at this point? Social, truth, social. Oh, no, yeah. Like, go to go to truth, social. Yeah. It's like, I feel like so much of what Kanye, a lot of his outbursts and antics have been like chalked up to like, oh, he's going through an episode. Like, it's just Kanye being Kanye. He's this misunderstood creative genius. There is absolutely no excuse for this tweet. And a no, lot and of that's what I, that's what I realized. Tucker Carlson and on Instagram and on Twitter, it's like he there's no excuse for this. And he is completely crossed the line. And again, it's like we have if you pay attention to history, you know how the Holocaust kind of started. And it was beliefs like this getting normalized. And no, that's that what I'm saying. Crazy. Like these, these things yeah. were normalizing this behavior over the last like I mean, the last long period of time. But, you know, the last four years have been so intense. And we keep like moving the line back of like, OK, I guess that's acceptable. Oh, again. And by the way, a broken clock is right twice a day, you guys. So Kanye will still say something that will probably blow your mind back. But if you listen to eight hours of this podcast, I'm bound to say two things that you'll agree with at some point. Like it's just the right. fact that we're giving him this much airtime really scares me. But you're right, Sophie. Like I, I did that last night. I said, OK, this man's sick. But it still doesn't help that kids are seeing this message, that that's going out there to my niece and nephew. And he is part of this trying to push the culture and making white lives matter. And how much generational wealth do you need? He's like, this is for my kids. And I'm like, dude, give your like, aren't you scared for his daughters, especially on Tucker? He was like, I do not approve of some of these skims ads. I will not allow my daughters to dress like that. He's already like those daughters are going to go through hell. Yeah, again, it's like I do not envy Kim's position that she is in. Dealing I with mean, this, the father of her children is an absolute nut job. 
And for somebody like Kim, who we know holds such a tight rein on her public persona and cares deeply about her persona, you just wonder. I mean, by the way, she's at she was at the Dallas uh like chargers game today and she got booed when they put her up on the the jumbotron like a full stadium and she was she was with her you can find this on on twitter and she was with her son and it was really like kind of sad because it was like it started nicely and then it was just a whole chorus of the stadium booing and i was like that's wild because you know you can audibly hear the boos and I was oh, really like, I was like, damn. Wait, I'm playing it. Hold on. I'm going to mute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Play it. Play, play. Or do you want me to not mute myself? No, don't mute yourself. I want to, okay. I want to like, see if we can pick up any of the sound. Okay. Ooh, yep. Hear it? Yep. See, it started as clapping and then it went to all boo. Yeah, boo. And you know what's funny about Kim also is that she did some interview recently where she was like, I want people when they think about me in the future to be like, she was a good person. Like she wants so badly to be liked and respected. And I think that that's where we're getting like the private equity firm, the true crime podcast, the, (laughs) you know, freeing prisoners. Like she wants nothing more like she has all of the fame and the money and I know that people say that you know they thrive off off of negative press negative attention I think that truly nothing will satisfy her until she's like beloved and respected by the general public and it just is it's never gonna happen unless I I have a feeling she could get rich enough where she gives each of us a thousand dollars eventually and then I'll consider it oh if she decides to actually if she actually took all of her money a large portion of her money and actually proved that she was giving back financially yeah and not just doing some of her performative like here's my podcast about this like case that people should care about like no you have so much money to solve so many problems and you do nothing yeah one like there are so many things that i feel like she could do to kind of sway public opinion of her but Again, it's like, I really feel like she will never be happy or satisfied until she is like really liked and respected. I know that everyone's like, oh, well, Kim, like just any press is good press for her. Like she just loves, she thrives off negative attention. I'm like, I don't think that's true. I think that it really genuinely bothers her. Like, I'm sure that bothered her. Oh, a thousand percent. And how, I mean, like it would bother me, but like being her is like. Can you imagine (laughs) you or me on the jumbo trying to Dude, I mean, literally, I would be like, I don't even like football. Like, what the fuck? I'd be like Nathan Fielder. That's what what was Nathan Fielder at the Mets game was. I mean, that was. Did you see that, that, you guys? Nathan, they went, they cut to him, and he just like had a puss on, and he. But it was so funny because it was so planned that I almost feel like it's going to be an episode of the rehearsal. He had a whole stadium built just to rehearse for this. (laughs) That's why HBO Max is spending their money wisely. Okay, so moving on. Kanye's a fucking idiot, and we cannot let these things just like, do not excuse this behavior. Just don't. It's really simple to live your life and to love everyone. I know it's hard sometimes, but practice that. And if you truly believe in the teachings of God and all of that stuff and Jesus, and I mean, whatever you believe, I mean, I think it all comes down to a core principle of being kind to one another and not hating one another. And what I'm just seeing from him is just spewing hatred and then kind of just blaming it on 
uh, all these conspiracy theories and and all that. And that's why I think he really does truly align with the right wing. And I don't like to get into politics on the show a lot, but it's very scary. Just really think about who you're aligning with at this point in history, especially. And I think hopefully we have commonalities where we can come together where we can even agree yeah. this is just wrong. And um, I know that these conspiracy theories about Jewish people are literally designed to be easy to buy into. They're not true. Yeah, I promise you, we do not control the weather. And if we did, I would have so much less anxiety about like whenever I'm on vacation, if it's going to rain, like yeah, by the way, can, uh, we're going out this week. If you could, uh, you know, tell the tribe to make it a little sunnier. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Well, and also, uh, yeah, I'm sure Mel Gibson's having the time of his life right now. He's like, that Kanye is great. Wow. <laughs> Another person who's like, get a load of this guy. Yeah, he has some solid ideas. Okay, moving on to uh, another thing that I started getting messages about last night, which is just so great because I'm like, what did I, I got scared because I saw, I don't know if you guys remember, there was like a, a tryhard on Beverly Hills uh, God, years ago. Uh, it was Bruce Springsteen's daughter, I think. Her, it was like a Freddie, uh, it's like Freddie, a Freddie, Freddie Melons, Freddie Melons, Freddie Melons band camp. And she is on, she was on Beverly Hills, I think. And now she has a podcast with Tamara judge. Who's an actual real housewife. And I didn't even realize, but I started getting texted and tweeted Sophie's tweet. And I was trying to make sense of it. Cause I was like, wait a sec, what's going on here. And what happened? Did you get into it with Freddie Mellon? Okay, so Freddie acts like she's um, Barbara Walters. <laughs> it's her new it's she's got a job to do you guys you guys it's so funny so she tweeted something basically writing an essay um basically writing an essay about the fact that i don't even know if i read it honestly <laughs> it was about kyle um, and kathy and like kathy all the something and she like wrote an essay about Oh my God. I can't even, it's so long, you guys. And I, I quote tweeted her. Yeah. Wait, explain it. No, it's basically, it was that like, she's like, I have to cover these things. And I think she was like, like, because Christian Gray Snow, we've had on the show a bunch, great guy. I mean, a really funny guy. And he uh, tweeted something on Alex Baskin, the producer evolution media of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. He produced, he, he wrote a comment saying like, oh, I hope Kyle's not, you know, like I feel bad for Kyle. I hope she's not crying. Like I, don't, I feel sad that she's crying. And then Kathy Hilton was like, feel bad for her. I was the one persecuted for 10 months on that show. And then Kyle was like, you don't like, Kyle was like, I know you don't want me to tell you why I was crying. And I know you really don't want to, I know you don't want me to tell everybody why I was crying. And then, Freddie took that and was like, guys, I have a podcast, so I do have to talk about this. This is something I can't ignore. And nobody's like, I don't know. Like, I just don't, I know the podcast is successful, but like, is anybody going, I need Freddie's thoughts on the Kathy Hill? Like, to me, I just completely, like, I don't want to hear anything about Beverly Hills from Kyle or from Teddy. Apparently. And so I quote tweeted this essay and I said, ratio plus L plus no one cares. Explain what ratio means to people. Ratio means I am getting more likes on this tweet than you got on your tweet. (laughs) And and she goes, do need you, Substack subscribers. She goes, do need you. 
So okay, so she meant do you need, but do yeah. need you is Freddie speak. Subsex subscriber, Sophie, because for someone who doesn't care, you tweet about me like the rent is due. Ooh, that's like a, what a snappy little, like oh the my rent God, is so witty. She's so witty, guys. <laughs> I hit that bed like it owed me money. All right, Freddie, look at the yeah. vernacular. Wow. She got 261 likes on that tweet. And that's pretty I, good for Freddie, by the way. 261 for Freddie. Like that's a good like day. That I replied delusional because I searched like how many times have I tweeted about Teddy Mellencamp? Nothing came up. <laughs> and I got 886 likes. <laughs> I didn't her. And then she goes, <laughs> he responds with, I'm literally replying to your quote tweet of me. Try again. She got 26 likes. <laughs> and I said, one tweet does not equal tweeting about you like the rent is due. And that got 241. So for the record, I did ratio her. But what I like is that Freddie obviously has a couple of like fake accounts and she would like probably tweet from those positive yes. things. Like I, I read a couple of things like Sophie just got owned. And I was like, wait, oh, like what? we're grownups first off. Like Freddie, you've got a fucking family. Like you have kids that you should be taking care of on, on top of the busy podcast schedule. And the fact that you're on a Saturday evening, because in like this is a Saturday, like for Sophie, it was probably like you know eight or nine, but for Freddie, it's like six p.m. And this is what she's doing with her time, which I just think if you're successful, you don't need to be doing this with anyone. But it's like she didn't even end with you. She was going, she was like searching her name or but something. She was going after. Oh, Sam she did Bush. a Sam too. <laughs> oh Bravo God, historian. Like oh my God, it was just like so pathetic, and it was so funny because I was like with i was actually with my my boyfriend's parents were in town this weekend oh did you have to explain and this to them that's so sad no i was actually trying to explain it to my boyfriend and he just like his eyes glazed over yeah he was like i have no idea what you're talking about he didn't know what so to try guys when I mentioned that snl did the try guys he was like what are you talking like what's the try guys and i was like who are you that actually is what a story we were going to talk about in a second actually because oh, i uh um, but, but yeah, you, I mean, explaining to somebody and the only way you could explain Teddy to anybody is like, Oh, do you remember John Mellencamp? Like that's the, cause you can't think of yeah. like, I know a lot. And, and by the way, that's why the Bravo fan base is so fascinating. And I, I think there's room for everybody, but it is fascinating. Like the diehards, the people that are in for like Rinna and Erica and like even Freddie. And it's just like, at a point it's like, you just like to disagree. Like you just like to disagree and what you like. It's like, I can even agree that Rinna like brings it, but she brings it in a comedic, like, can't we all agree at this point, even if you like Rinna, you're laughing at her, not with her. Like, can we all agree at least that? Like we're laughing at her because some of the things she says is so fucking ridiculous. Freddie doesn't even get near Rinna in terms of entertainment value. Can't we even admit that? Like Freddie is not a good housewife. Oh yeah. I mean, she has, name one iconic Freddie moment. Well, she, she, with that one time, was it Dorit that kept her waiting that hour or something? Like that was an iconic. I just thought it was funny to have her wait. Yeah, like, I don't know. A funny moment was, wasn't even iconic on, on Freddie's part. The one other thing that I can think of was Kyle making fun of the way she walks, but that was Kyle. Yeah. That, that was at the, in, in Paris or at the winery. Oh, uh, do you guys remember the one where um, she told people they couldn't eat and they starved themselves and it was her business and she made money on. Oh, yeah. wait, not an yeah. episode. That was actually in real life. That was all that the was all in business. Yeah. yeah. And then the other time yeah. when uh, Kyle's purses got stolen from the house and Edwin supposedly had done the security or husband on that. 
That was like an iconic moment. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but like that, when, when somebody like Freddie gets at you, like I know Kendall Jenner once tweeted at you and that I would be nervous if a Kardashian was like oh, recognizing God, me, but like, you don't like with Freddie, it's like, Oh man, like I would be almost sad for Freddie that she was interacting with me. You know, it's like, you don't need to do this. Anyone who goes after me on Twitter, like I'm just saying Baker Mayfield, when he went after me and then blocked me on Twitter, he's now the worst quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> Kendall Jenner, worst model in the world. <laughs> Wait, I love like, this week's Kardashians, the big plot line when she had her hair turned red and she couldn't go out because everybody was like, if she's, if anybody saw this red hair b- this before the Prada fashion show, it was going to ruin the show. And like, I, I mean, like st- people still talk about that red hair moment. Like, was that even a big fucking deal? Like who Wait, the fuck cares what color your hair is? Can you imagine that being like your life? I can't believe that's a storyline. I haven't watched the new season of a car. Oh, it was like a two episode storyline. She was like, I fooled everybody. I've gotten on with like a hoodie and nobody's seen my hair. And then she hid in her hotel room. He's so lame and just has no personality. She's like, I fooled everyone. You guys like, I don't, like, like, I I can't leave my, I can't leave my house. Like, oh, oh my God. And then she's like, so worried about the inside of her body and like the out, like she does all of these weird tests, and that's like been a storyline this season so far. Yet she just admitted she got COVID and still can't smell or taste. And I'm like, it just shows you rich people that do all these weird procedures and all that. They still get the same shit that we do. They get like, you know, like she can't smell or taste, and she's worth like a billion dollars probably. Um, real quick on the Try Guys, because on Sophie's Substack, which you need to go sign up for, she did talk about the Try Guys, but I wanted to bring it up because of SNL last night. At first, what I thought was like a really at the beginning, I thought it was a funny sketch because it was like CNN and it was like breaking it was news. So bad. It was and so then it turned bad. like it turned out that SNL, you guys, had the opinion that the Try Guys were blowing it out of proportion that Ned Fulmer cheated with an employee on his wife. And so the whole thing was this joke, very like fuck the Try Guys for giving a shit that he hooked up with a consensual relationship. And I'm like, the Try, if I'm not mistaken, I only found out about the Try Guys a couple, like two weeks ago. But the whole thing is that's their business is based on a family brand. And that was their friend, but they also have a full business, an LLC that they make money from. And they can't, like, it was so simple to me. It was also, I mean, it's not even the fact that he quote unquote cheated. He had an affair with a subordinate employee. Yeah, he was yeah. her boss. That is actually like illegal because that is like, that's a problem. That is like power dynamics. If you want to talk about power dynamics, that is an abuse of them. But why that's- was that funny on SNL? Why did they choose that way to go? Like, I mean, that was such a weird take. You know why? And people. Well, one of the writers was friends with Ned. Ned. Ned is friends with one of the writers, and they released the writers of that skit, and it was his friend. So, well, like, why did like like Bowen Yang, who by the way was, it made everyone in that situation look stupid and embarrassing, except the guy who fucked up. It yeah. was. Just- well, Bowen Yang, by the way, who I think is hysterical and was really funny playing the Asian member of the Try Guys because he was very angry and the and and Bowen did that great. But I still thought I was like, how did this even like Bowen seems like such a like a guy on the right side of like issues and history? How did this? No, because I to me, but like I workplace, he did that. That's what I'm saying. How did that happen? I think Bowen usually is like dead on in how he thinks about things or it really aligns with how I think about things. So I thought it was just so weird that that was the take they had on it. 
And uh, I don't know. It was just, it was super weird, but yeah, the Ned thing, the connection was, I'm like, wait, are we allowed to like uh, fuck employees now? Is that the, is that now acceptable? That made me super disappointed in Bowen. And of course, everyone was making jokes like, oh yeah, obviously SNL does not have an issue like, um, you know, with uh, hooking up with subordinate employees because that's what they do. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what you mean. Um, Okay, I've got some tea to give to you guys. This is tea that was given to me, and I hate when a grown man says tea, but I did it. Uh, This week at BravoCon, they will be announcing from my sources. uh, Hopefully you've heard it here first. uh, They will be announcing Real Housewives of Manhattan. It will not be New York any longer, and they will be revealing the cast this week. They will be just rony at all. Okay, I could be completely wrong, but I have a source that I trust that says it will be Real Housewives of Manhattan. So like and it Roni will be announced done forever. Well, you will have Rony Legacy that will be uh fully announced as well, I believe, with the cast, and it'll be Real Housewives of Manhattan and they are starting over. What? Who who are the Real Housewives of Manhattan? Like those influencers? Lizzie? Well, we had the, the the one. I think the one is the uh, popular um, uh, Jewish uh, woman entrepreneur that actually, because I just read about her coming out against Kanye and she was said she's uh, one of the cast members. Lizzie Savetsky, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's the name. So, wait. So, what? I mean, this was just, this was something, well, I don't have the cast members yet. Hopefully I'll get them this week, but I thought it was interesting to go to Real Housewives of Manhattan. I thought that was interesting. Um, So we'll see if I'm right. I usually don't say these if I don't like think I'm right about it. So uh, hopefully I'm right. I usually don't do rumors or blinds. So uh, my whole reputation depends on this. Um, Uh, Okay. Also, I know this could ruin my whole career. Uh, did you watch Southern Charm Reunion Part 1 this week? Oh, my God. Yes. Okay. Wait. Tell me your opinion on – because within the first 10 minutes, you guys, Taylor, like, w- like went – like, just trashed Shep in this epic monologue. Within the first 10 minutes, what did you think of that uh, monologue and her saying the W-H-O-R-E-S, whores? I don't think that she needed to call women whores. I think – the only person that she should have been, you know, calling disparaging words is Shep. And I think that it was clearly rehearsed. She had been practicing. Yes, been totally. Waiting, waiting for this moment. So I think her delivery was a little awkward. Um, I don't fully understand. Like, it's like you knew who Shep was. Everyone knew who he was. I feel like it's like you're never going to change a 40-year-old man. But don't we always want to believe? Like, I mean, like, I feel like that's a common thing that especially women sometimes get locked into of like, I I know, I know he has, like, she kept saying all season, I know his heart. I know his heart. I know he's got it in him. And I was like, almost like believing in your favorite sports team. Like, I know they can do it. And then realizing finally after two and a half years and I think that's that anger that came out in that rehearsed of like, dude, I was so wrong, but like also fuck you because I don't know, like the whores I totally understand and agree with, but she also called herself a whore. So I was like, that to me excused it a little bit because she was like, we're all, and also don't you think she meant Southern gentlemen kind of consider them whores? Like Thomas Ravenall was just like, you're using these whores. women to masturbate. That's what yeah. you do. 
but he, but it's she's kind of right. Like you do use these women. Like these women are good to have a laugh with and for Shep to ejaculate with. That is what these women are good for to him. I like literally didn't know what she meant by that until I listened to Watch What Crappens and Ronnie or Ben. They were like, "Well, it means that you're just using using the women for your sexual gratification." I was like, "Oh, that's what she meant." Again, yeah. the delivery was a little weird. Um, I mean, I'm glad she got that out of her system. But then and it kind of like, then I was like, it started so strong that I was like, oh, now where do we go from here? You know? Shep obviously sucks, but yeah, it's like, I don't know. I well, this leads know. to Demois today. This was a blind item. So who knows? Uh, it says Shep was at Commodore and left with the brunette. And then an, an hour and a half later, Taylor and Austin showed up together to the same spot, Charleston, South Carolina. Austin and Taylor stayed till close and were on sidewalk together to get Uber. Wait, that just came out today. But also think about it. Think about how close they were and the couch. She was like, yeah, we're kind of connected with each other in regards to the sister moment with Taylor. And I'm like, you could. But by the way, everybody's like, yeah, now that's. Them. I would love for Austin and Taylor to get together. I would love that. Genuinely. See, but I still think I still. I, I It's better than Shep, but I still think Austin's got tons of issues. Like he's just the more charming one that understands what people are talking about when they talk about being aggressive towards women. He's like, Oh, I get it. But he doesn't truly practice it himself. Like Olivia was on the couch saying you've like dipped out on me, like for like weeks at a time. No, like I get that. I get, I get why clearly Austin isn't like that much more of a desirable option. But I think that it was very clear this season, and I've seen other people say this too, that like he obviously really cares about Taylor. Yes, I, I, like, I do agree with that. I think he really <clears throat> cares about her. And I think, you know, between Austin and Shep, Austin has been in long-term relationships before. He actually does, you know, fall hard for women that he's with, like Madison. He's like still not over Madison. Madison! But like... I, I don't know. I like, I, I could kind of see that and I would be interested in watching the fallout of that. I, I think that, I mean, and by the way, that, cause I was like, does Taylor stay on the show now? But I was like, if that is true, yes. Like I would love for Taylor to stay oh, on the show. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Also, do you, I mean, do you agree with this that I think Craig, especially gay baits Andy like big time, like he's always like, Andy, would you like to, me and Austin, would you like to help facilitate our love? And Andy's like, I mean, honestly, yeah. Like, I would love to to help with that. Like, Craig always kind of throws those things towards Andy. I feel like it's kind of this weird, like, he's very aware of the people to kiss ass. Oh, my God. Does that, I mean, don't you think so? Every time Andy's around, he'll, like, throw out, like, a sexy comment to Andy. And Andy truly thinks Craig is hot. He is. He is a good-looking dude. Andy definitely has his favorites because I feel like he hates Austin, but he does like Craig. Yeah. Uh, Craig also, it didn't get brought up until next week, but uh, Leva did say that Craig said that he was the most popular guy on Bravo. That is said it around so Paige. freaking funny to me. That is so Because you know it's so true. You know oh, it's so 100% true. 100% true. A hundred percent. But then I was thinking, is it true? Like, it, it, I mean, I guess, could, I mean, is he the number one guy on Bravo right now? Could that what? be true? <laughs> Are you serious? Are well, you who seriously? else? Who I mean, what PK? Like, I mean, I guess Mauricio, but for no, a lead he said person, he did not say guy. Oh. He, said, he said 
person. Dutton exists. Karen Huber exists. Padma Lakshmi exists. I'm no, sorry. Um, yeah, no, no. I, I was going with Guy and I was like, well, maybe there's an argument for Guy to be had, but it's still so cocky. Also, you didn't get to watch Real Housewives of Potomac yet tonight, uh, but I will just tease you with this. Uh, there is at one point they're talking about Ashley and Michael Darby's divorce and Ashley says that she had a coochie craving for Michael and it literally made me throw up in my mouth and I don't know how anybody could have even if it was your husband all like I just feel like that's just too but, but, but Potomac was excellent but that was just a moment that really grossed me out that's you're gonna love watching it though those I ladies so good when I was watching the game <clears throat> sports the ball game <laughs> and they were losing. I was like, why the fuck am I not watching Potomac right now? It's it's just so weird when those shows start. And I was like, Beverly Hills disturbs me and gives me anxiety. And I'm not talking about like towards the end of the season, the whole season. But these Potomac ladies, they show up and it's like they're imme- they imme- like I smile the whole time I watch it. The way they interact with each other, even like just their their facial expressions. Like I got to I just hope you guys show up for Potomac. I think you will and you will always do. But it is so good. And it's like the way they bounce off each other, even in their petty squabbles or this is about Mia's cancer, if she has it or not. And there's going to be a Chris potentially cheating storyline. And we got uh, Peter from Real Housewives of Atlanta showed up for a scene in the first episode. It's just so much better than other housewife shows to me. And I just, they do nothing to do it. I've always said that when I describe like the different housewives franchises, because I've met people that are like, where should I start? And I'm like, they all have such different vibes because like, I feel like, Beverly Hills can get really dark with like legal drama. I feel like Salt Lake City, again, is like very serious. Like the different franchises, they have such different vibes. And I say that Potomac is just like pure comedy. Like it's so funny. And it's so like, and I've said this before that I feel like there's never like, I'm never watching Housewives and being like, I want to be in that friend group. Yeah. The only people I can say I want to be friends with other than the Potomac ladies is like Garcelle and Sutton. I would love to be their BFF, but like, yeah. otherwise I'm like, no, I'm so glad I don't know these people in real life. Yeah. But I mean, Potomac, yeah. I'm like, I want to be on that cast trip right now. Like they're so much fun. They're so funny. Like it's just, again, it's just a, a comforting comfort show versus Beverly Hills. That's like, <gasps> I, and, and but, so did you watch the season finale this week? Of Beverly Hills. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh just man, man, real quick though. It's like, I just don't know how much clearer we can get of Kyle going. I want my family all to be at my wedding. Can you guys please stop? And for fricking frack to keep going, keep pushing. And they truly are the worst fucking improvisers in the world. They're like, just are like bouncing back. Like, I just think like at this point, guys, even if like, we can all admit once again, we're laughing at Lisa Rinna, right? Like there's nothing that I'm like, fuck. Yeah. You handled that. Right. And what did you think of the reunion trailer with Kathy coming in strong towards Rinna oh, about her? Con- that. Wasn't that You're good? Fully in Hollywood and everybody knows it. And wouldn't you know, Lisa Rinna, like I said, she would posted it the next day and, and did it with her little Eminem. Cause she loved like for Lisa to be the biggest of anything in Hollywood has to be the most exciting for her. Cause this woman craves attention. It doesn't matter good or bad. So she probably loved being called that. He's so annoying. Yeah, just being the biggest anything in Hollywood, I'm sure she's like, oh, thank you. Like, shut up. She says, put me on pause in the reunion. Do we think she will be put on pause? I don't. 
Um, I mean, I know that we have this debate all the time. Like, oh, well, she gets attention and she gets the tweets and she gets ratings and she brings the drama. But it's like there comes a point where it's like we don't love to hate Rena. We hate to hate her. Like she is like she is part of the reason why watching Beverly Hills gives us anxiety. Like it's not fun to watch her. And I know we need the drama. We need the conflict. Whatever. Yeah, that's everybody's big argument. She brings the drama. I'm like, she. Br- it's so heavy handed at this point that it's so fake. And it's like not the good drama. He's just like such a horrible person, like a rotten human being with a black heart or Mark. black soul or whatever. <laughs> yeah. like, anyone has well, you know, she's getting heart. cancer. She's getting cancer from keeping this stuff in yeah, her. She's getting cancer and she's like PTSD and cancer. I, I really, I, exa- it's like, she is such a disgusting human being that I want nothing to do with. I ha- want no part in contributing to her bank account, to her wallet, to her viewership. Like, I won't buy Rena Rose. I know a lot of people that actually have said, like, I'm I'm done with Beverly Hills if they keep running because it's just too much. Like she's too Dude, much. Like said, it's heavy. Bi- oh, um, I think I listened to a clip on your page, maybe like uh, uh, Bitch Sesh, the insanely huge podcast. I love Casey, and uh, uh, but they were talking about like Lisa truly is a bully. Like she will get into it even with Casey, where she was like such vitriol. It's another one of those things. Like Freddie Mellencamp, she searches her name. She wants to get into it with everybody. Lisa truly is that individual that is kind of scary. On off camera like and she's always been that way and that is not fun when it's like you guys we're here to like kind of laugh and joke and especially online we're here to like kind of make each other laugh at times sophie likes to point out actual points but i like want to make people laugh and i want to do you know and it's like lisa just doesn't seem to get it for somebody that says that they own it and they get jokes and all that she doesn't she can't take anything exactly exactly it's just it's not fun it's not She's toxic. She's literally poison. How many more people do we have to see her bully off of the show? Eden Sassoon. Justice for Eden Sassoon. <laughs> Eden Sassoon. I mean, I'm telling you. I- Sassoon, remember when Eden Sassoon like went insane and was like, you're yeah. a fucking bitch. <laughs> Who, what did she say? She was like, you're a bitch. And it was like in public. And Rena was like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. Who is this girl? Like, this is so embarrassing. And everyone was like, oh my God, that was so like embarrassing. That was way too much. Like back when we all watched it. And now it's like, she is vindicated because that's what she does. She gaslights and bullies to make these people look crazy and look like, you know, there. If you were on Salt Lake, Whitney would uh, see some spiritual healer and saw it like, I saw Lisa cry as a little girl and I know there's a little girl in there crying. I don't care though. Like I'm done with, I'm like, I'm done with it. I think she can move on. I hope she has success in her. And by the way, you can bring her back three seasons from now. I don't care, but I think we do need a pause, but it is funny because Sutton seems like she is building her army. She uh, was at Camille Grammer was at the Hollywood bowl with her. She was hanging out with Denise Richards recently. Like she really is covering a wide swath, but I'm like, that's kind of the only thing that excites me is like, if you did bring her back and you brought all of these other ladies back you know i keep saying like the ghosts of christmas past and just have all of rena's people come back to haunt her you know yeah i um, die for Sutton. i just love her i dude, love you so i i have a crush on Sutton so hard what? i want like i mean dude, 
dude, sorry, like, uh, what's his name? Jinden or what? Um, uh, uh, Sanjit, 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 her dude at the postscript. They're just friends. At the end, it was like Sun maintains that they're just friends. And I'm like, no. If Sanjit, wait, but also if Sanjit's like a fuck buddy, like that's weird too. Like, she's like, but then also she was like, well, I was talking to somebody on Bumble and I was 30 or 40 <laughs> minutes and then it all went, it went green all of a sudden. Doesn't that just mean they blocked her? Wait, the way you said Bumble. Wait, say Bumble. Uh, I was on Bumble talking for 30 or 50 minutes with this gentleman caller and then all of a sudden went green. And that means they blocked her, right? So the way that you say Bumble, I want that like on repeat. She hits forever. those words super hard. Um, uh, and then, so this week, you guys, wait. Also, uh, I'm really scared at BravoCon. Lisa Rinna now is going to be there. So can we all make an agreement? Anybody at BravoCon that we openly boo when she comes out on stage? Let's treat it like wrestling. Let treat it like wrestling or like a Kim Kardashian at a football game and just openly boo because she'll love it. <laughs> I would if uh, I were going. Okay, finally, uh, Salt Lake City. Uh, did you see it this week at all? Um, yeah. It was very intense yeah, already in the second episode. What happened again? Because I can't even remember at this point. Okay, so they went to Scottsdale and uh, Whitney has reached out to Lisa because she saw her cry as a little girl in her spiritual session. So brought her to Scottsdale with her first. And Lisa just wants to have like a friend. So Lisa's like, being nice to Heather and Whitney Meredith is still going hard. But then we had like these Jen Shaw scenes where it was very um, uh, empathetic talking about her family, the scene with her mother and the thousand piece puzzle that she'll never finish before prison. And it is, uh, it was just very intense because Whitney then uncovered memories potentially that she was abused as a child that she completely blocked out. And it was one of the most real scenes I've seen on reality's with her husband, Justin. And I was like, I don't want to be here right now. Like it was so real and and I I my heart went out to her, but I, it was one of those moments where I was like, should I be watching this? Like it was so intense. Yo, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The spiritual healer. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's I not. I mean, it I just been half paying attention because no, I like, really do not remember. Salt I had to watch it three times to see every scene, and each time I watched it, I saw a new scene that I was like, I don't even fucking remember this. I okay. Just- remember also so bravo is doing something weird you guys on the now on beverly hills they cut out lisa's cancer line that we all watched her say last week if you watch it now supposedly her saying she'll they get cancer they cut it out uh so they cut it out sometime over the weekend yeah. so the yeah a couple of listeners said it is not in there anymore and of course we had jack the publicist overhearing lisa that you saw on a foreign edition but we didn't get to see it in america so i do get sometimes weirded out by what bravo chooses to add in and cut whichever episode you're watching i don't know what is behind all of that if there's a reason but it's always super weird to me when they do that that is so shady that's yeah. shady it really is i, I it's kind of weird so um, and I think that is, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're in, we're at war with Kanye right now, all that. What is coming up this week? Anything that you're excited to watch anything, uh, that you watch this weekend? I know you're with your dude's family, so you probably didn't get to watch anything on Netflix. Um, let me think for a second. Oh, I watched, um, luckiest girl alive that new Netflix. Oh, I actually read the book and, it was trigger warning. If you watch it, it covers very serious topics, but it's very just like 
the way that they do it is just like silly. I didn't walk away from the movie being like, that was so powerful. I was like, that was just like silly. Yeah. I'm like, it was just like a, a, the way that they handled it. Like Mila Kunis did her, you know, best with the writing, but I thought the book itself was like not the best book ever. And the movie was not strong either. So, but yeah, there should be a stronger trigger warning. Um, I watched uh, Bachelor in Paradise finally, some of it. And it was, I mean, there's only two episodes out right now. And it's, it's like fun and flirty. Well, oh, I mean, yeah. it's, not, yeah. it, it's, it's fun, you know. Fun. I've been enjoying Bachelor in Paradise. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. I've still been loving Lord of the Rings. See, that's, I mean, Lord of the Rings is still out there. There's so much stuff that is like, it's almost too much stuff that you can truly not keep up with. Like Lord of the Rings is out there. Like that House of Dragon is on every week. And I'm like, I guess I'm just not going to watch that until uh, they pick it up for another season. And then I realize if it's worth it to invest in, you know, like if they just one and done it, it's not going to be worth it. I refuse. Oh, Diana (laughs) Jenkins. That was the last thing. How, I mean, for, for like, I'm a new villain here. I, if I, you want a villain here, I am like, what a way to go out. Like nothing. Like she just has one shot in the reunion trailer of her looking like, uh. that it's so interesting to me because it's very obvious that, um, the, the Bravo producers like listen to all the feedback about how much we hate Diana and they just completely edited her out of like the rest of the season. So again, it's like if they listen to us about Diana, why can't they listen to us about Rena? That's what, and I don't know. Like, see, that's what I want. I'm really the most excited to see the producer panel at Bravo, and I hear that's like usually not even full. But for me, from a production standpoint, that's the most fascinating part of how they actually what, these decisions that they make and they, they put together. It's like that's the stuff I really am curious about nowadays because uh, the the fandom is completely wild. Anyways, um, you guys. Go follow Sophie's podcast, So True with Sophie Ross. Uh, who's your guest this week? Um, my guest this week is actually someone from the Bengals fandom that is huge on Twitter, <laughs> and he is awesome. And we talk about football, but then we talk about a bunch of other stuff too. So I feel like you guys are really going to like it. If winter is going to be hard to top. That was so much fun. Winter yeah. is like the funniest so person alive. Um. Okay, you guys, uh, that is your week. Um, Remember to use timestamps on these things. If you want to skip right to Sophie, you can. If you want to skip to uh, the solo stuff, you can. We'll be starting this episode off right with Sophie. So hang around afterwards if you want to hear more. If not, we will talk to you later this week. I've got uh, I got a Vanderpumper coming on. I've got I mean I got some really good guests this week and. Pumper, do you have coming on? Ariana Maddox will be on this week, and uh, so that's exciting. And folks, now is the part of the show that I love the most. We get to talk about our sponsors once again. So bad it's good is sponsored by our friends at Splendid Spoon. Now, uh, we are coming to what I am told is the end of the summer. So we're, we're getting back into busy season again. I feel like it's been busy season all summer, but for a lot of people, busy season starts now. And that means you're going to have less time for grocery shopping. You're going to have less time to pre- prepare meals, just less time in general. But don't worry, this is not this is not a big bummer because our friends at Splendid Spoon are there to help. Splendid Spoon is totally awesome. Uh, Let me just give you an example. They sent me a box last week. I got another box from them. You get to pick out from like 60 
choices on their website and you get to pick out like grain bowls, smoothies, juices, all like amazing, all fresh ingredients, all healthy, but all tasty. And for me, you guys listen to this. It, it like, okay, my Thursday Real Housewives of Beverly Hills recap, I had gone through the day and I started that recap and it was like three and a half hours or three hours for the actual recap. And midway through, I was like, oh my God, I didn't eat. And it was not a problem because I didn't want to slow down working, but all I had to do was walk out of my room, into the kitchen, into the fridge, grab one of the, uh, this amazing noodle bowl that I got from them, put it in the microwave. And in less than five minutes, I had a great meal. And I was able to have the energy to finish talking about these housewives. And it was awesome. You don't wake up. I mean, I don't know. There's something about Splendid Spoon Food, too, that I love because I don't wake up feeling horrible after I eat it at night. I feel good. Um, I imagine that's because of like the fresh ingredients and stuff. But also, it just it saves time. It's easy. And it comes right to your door in this prepackaged thing that's like all iced. So when you get the food, even if it's been laying on your front step all day, you bring it in. It's still cold. You put it directly into the refrigerator and you are ready to go. Um, like I said, you can choose from over 50 ready-to-eat meals shipped right to your door on repeat from breakfast smoothies and lunch bowls to noodle dinners and light soups for reset days. And like I said earlier, you can easily customize this to fit what you're looking for in your meal plan. It's 100% plant-based which is huge, gluten and GMO-free, with plenty of vegetables, legumes, healthy fats, whole grains, and spices from around the world. Plus, eating plant-based food can have benefits like improved energy, sleep, digestion, and complexion. I got to tell you, I'm not going to give it full credit, but I think it's helped me grow this magnificent mustache that I have going right now. I really think, I really think the mustache is growing on me, you guys. Um, and with Splendid Spoon, it is so easy to add more plant-based meals into your busy routine. So I'm telling you guys, give this a shot, at least try it for a week and see if you dig it. Cause I totally do dig it. And they also even have like these energy shots you can order. It is so cool. Um, so this is the call to action. You guys, Fuel up for busy days with Splendid Spoon. Get started today and get $120 off your first three boxes at SplendidSpoon.com forward slash so bad. That's $120 off at SplendidSpoon.com slash so bad. That'll be in the show notes as well. And remember, go check this out. See if it's something you like. It really does help the show when you do these things. But on top of it, this stuff actually is really good. It is a product that I am using and I do highly recommend it. Elevating my style used to mean breaking the bank, but with Quince, I get high-end, versatile pieces at prices I can actually afford. Now I can upgrade my style by snagging killer luxury essentials that sync with my vibe and my wallet. You guys know I've got a blue linen blazer. Now I have a black leather jacket, and I have my eye on this Italian suede trucker jacket. I think that's going to be my next purchase. So Quince creates timeless essentials that never go out of style. You're going to have them in your closet forever. Quince has all the must-haves, like Mongolian cashmere crew neck sweaters from $50, iconic 100% leather jackets, and versatile flow-knit activewear. With all Quince items, everything is priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes that savings on to us. 
And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. How do you not love that? So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping and 365-day returns on your order. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. If you're a wine lover like me, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks. It's called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, I get to discover new wines I'm guaranteed to enjoy. That's because First Leaf gets to know your unique preferences. To start, all you have to do is answer a few quick questions on their website about what flavors that I like, how often I drink wine, and if I prefer red, white, or rosé, or a combination. Now, based on my answers, First Leaf curated an amazing selection of wines just for me. And when I rate those wines, my wine selection gets even more tailored. You guys, I have to tell you, I got a free shipment with them, but I kept my membership going because I liked it so much. I swear to God, I got this great Sangiovese. I got a Malbec. Uh, I did get a Rosé as well because I have a combination and I am loving it. Best of all, I get to choose when I want my box delivered and how often I get new assortments of wine. Being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has its perks. As a member, I get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. Plus, I get member-exclusive pricing on every order, so you can continue to order the ones that you love. So, join the club today with me and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash so good to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash so good. Tryfirstleaf.com slash so good. Okay, welcome back. That was a fun uh, popper. <laughs> Fun pop culture roundup with Sophie. Just a reminder, you guys, I'm talking to YouTube right now as well. Uh, so if you are into YouTube, go subscribe over there. Once I hit 5,000 subscribers, I'm going to eat a raw onion. And if you don't know how much that upsets me, I mean, if you want to upset me, if you hate listening to this podcast, make sure you go subscribe to the YouTube. Because once we hit that 5K, I'm going to eat a raw onion. And that is like I have nightmares about it. Like, for some reason, I hate raw onions. And you will be seeing a man eat a whole raw onion. And I'm telling you, if that's not what YouTube's made for, I don't, I give up. I, I retire, you know? Um, <laughs> also, the Patreon, we did a bunch of episodes last week, including keep, uh, the Kardashians, the Hulu show. You guys know the Kardashians, that, the family from Calabasas. We, uh, we recap it over there. So get 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 ready to be knocked off your coal mining asses with those recaps. We're doing it over on the Patreon exclusively. So it's so bad it's good forward slash Patreon. Uh, I think the Patreon is great because it has so much stuff on there. And you think I do so much already. Like I said, it's going to knock you off your coal mining ass. It's going to be huge. So what do we think about Real Housewives of Salt Lake City so far? I think personally, I'll go first and then you guys can go. I am loving it, but I will say by the second episode, it was one of the most intense things I've ever witnessed in my life. Just like, we're two episodes in and Whitney might have been touched as a kid. Like that was, I was like, oh, there was that one moment with Justin, you guys, where I was like, 
I don't even know if I should be here. This feels awkward. I gotta go. Why is the cameraman right there? This is scary. Like, it is so intense, but then there's these moments of great levity. You have that scene where Lisa Barlow's son is like, fudge college, mom. And like, Lisa's like, what are you talking about? No fudging college. And it's just great so far. I can't imagine where it's going to go. Like, we're only two episodes in. We probably have, like, 18 more to go. Whoo, man. So I also want to thank Laura Beth Harp. She uh, took notes on this for me because it's getting to a point where it has been impossible. And uh, taking notes because I get every line and word. It's not just like an overview, um, which I should eventually try one day. But this is like a full experience. And so uh, Juliana Carraza did my Beverly Hills notes for this season and still doing it. She's flipping amazing. So uh, Laura volunteered to do episode two of Salt Lake City. So thank you, Laura. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. So let's see how good you do here. Now, I've watched the episode three and a half times so far. And I don't know if it's my bad attention span or if Bravo's messing around with adding new scenes, but I feel like each time I watched, I saw a new scene I didn't see before, which scare, like scare, like I should go to a doctor at some point. That scares me. I was like, wait, what was this? But then I got paranoid because over on Beverly Hills, like they're cutting and adding scenes willy nilly. So I'm like, are they cutting and adding scenes? Like I'm, I'm truly, I'm not at a Kanye level paranoid, but I'm getting, I'm getting paranoid. This episode is called Searching for Serena T. It's Serena hyphen T-E-A. Very clever Salt Lake title job person. I see what you did there because they're searching for serenity, the word serenity. But what they did was put the hyphen and then T-E-A, like spill in the T, which is vernacular for just dirty gossips. <laughs> and I always, there's that thing where uh, there's words that are popular now for the last couple of years that when I say as a, as a, as a two grown adult man that I feel very, I'm like, like I, when I say I'm spilling the tea, I, I, I genuinely am. I feel full, fully ashamed of myself. I'm like, you should not, this is not your word. I feel like I'm appropriating like young kids words, you know, like, I feel like I'm just going to tell you some rumors. Like, let's not even, it's not even tea, you know, like I'm just going to tell you some stuff. So, uh, this premiered this past Wednesday, the episode description, Whitney plans a girl's trip to Arizona to support Jen, but is blindsided when Meredith shares an alleged rumor about Lisa. Jen gets emotional support from her mom. Uh, Lisa talks to Jack about his future. Wait, Laura, did, did they, did the description say M-U-M or did, did the description say mom in a British way or did you just put M-U-M instead of M-O-M? Is that, I mean, it's, I, I would love it if they actually wrote this as a, the British mum. Lisa talks to Jack about his future An emotional experience inspires the women. That last sentence is so vague. An emotional experience inspires the women. I was like, do aliens visit? Like what's go? What is the emotional experience? Uh, previously on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, this is where they treat us like idiots and they have to remind us because they don't think we can access our brains and they show us everything that we already know in our hearts in quick succession just to catch us up. And remember, Jen and Coach Shaw dancing at Coach Shaw's 51st birthday. Um, <laughs> this could... This, I mean, by the way, could Jen Shaw be on Dancing with the Stars? If she had not changed her guilty, uh, her plea to guilty, could she have ever been? I think Jen Shaw would have been a shoe in for Dancing with the Stars at some point. And maybe, I mean, depending on when she, they changed her sentencing, you guys, to December 
15th. So I have a, and that, by the way, the prosecution requested the change. So, uh, I mean, who knows? They might request that again and she doesn't get sentenced until the new year. So I'm sure that is good. And especially this episode really um, tried to make us empathize with Jen, show the plight of her family. And it's a really tricky thing for me because I don't have a lot of sympathy for Jen in terms of the crimes that she uh, she did, that she pled guilty to. Also, I wanted to say this, we're going to be having a lawyer coming on in the next couple of weeks with a little more knowledge of uh, that works in a DA's office as well. And we were texting this week and she said, you know, what Jen is saying now and how she's behaving online is pretty wild. And she said she would not be surprised if the government made a motion to withdraw her plea. She goes, I said from day one, um, Jen Shaw will plead guilty in about a year and a half. I did not explain the why or how I know the trajectory. And I said, that's what I keep saying. Isn't the deal, the the plea deal based on her saying she's guilty? And if she backtracks, they can withdraw that uh, that deal they gave her. Because, you know, she is uh, still going to be sentenced to a very long time, but it could have been a lot longer if this went to trial. And she said, yeah, they can, or they can ask for a higher sentence because of the way the pre-sentence report works. They can say no remorse, etc. She did not plead no contest or the federal, which equals the Alford plea, which we've talked about before in terms of the gentleman from the staircase or the uh, the West Memphis Three. Um, so she did not do an Alford plea. She's not requested to do one. She actually did these crimes. And the whole verdict, predicate like it's all predicated on the fact that she admits she's guilty. So if Jen starts doing the Jen Shaw and like, well, I had to plead guilty, but really it's not me, the deal can get taken off the table and they don't mess around. So I'm very curious, and especially that I know Jen Shaw will be at BravoCon, uh, so I'm, I'm like, because you know she loves the spotlight and she loves to say wild shit. So I would just say be careful. I have a feeling she might even get more time for just behaving how she is. Also, last episode, Lisa finds Meredith and tells her she'd like to talk to her at some point at the uh, end of that part. Like, I'd like to talk to you at some point if you're open to it. And Meredith's like, you've had two months to reach out to me. Leave me alone. Now, Meredith, to me, talks to somebody like a little, stro- little stroke fish and, you know, somebody that indulges in relaxants, muscle relaxants. I'm not saying she does. Sometimes she just reminds me of somebody that talks like that. Meredith and Jen, uh, they had that scene at the pool where Meredith says, you know, I heard rumors. I just hear rumors about Lisa Barlow, uh, specifically about her having an affair. Uh, then we see a scene of Jen and Coach Shaw discru- discussing her trial. And she's like, it's seven weeks from today, that day of filming. And Jen says, I would be lying if... I said I wasn't scared, but we do know Jen likes to lie. So who knows? Who knows? Whitney tells Lisa and Heather, why don't we take a trip before Jen goes to New York? I was thinking Arizona, Scottsdale. And Lisa responds, oh my God, I'm in. Let's go. Whitney is with her healer. Whitney, I would love to see her healer budget. Don't like, right? It's got to be insane. And she's like, the healer says the past keeps showing up over and over. And Whitney says, because I don't have a memory of it. And this fucking storyline, you guys, is brutal. Like, it tore me apart. Uh, also, this episode is an hour and, like, 12 minutes long. And what's, like, what the hell, you guys? You take off Beverly Hills scenes right and left, but you give Potomac and the Like, Potomac was a longer episode, too, tonight, which I love. But it's, like, 
dude, don't leave scenes on the cutting room floor in Beverly Hills. Let that be an hour and 10 too, you know? Um, so Whitney is with, yeah. So the healer says, clearing out this trauma with your early childhood allows you to move forward. And Whitney asks if she can hug her. She says yes. And they hug. Intro music begins. We get our taglines bro. Jen uh, doesn't do. She's the shamazing. She's sha-sentenced. No, Jen says, I'm fighting for my life, not your approval. <laughs> okay. Whitney goes, I'm more of a free spirit without the Holy Spirit because... She uh, excommunicated herself. Lisa Barlow's tagline is, I'll always have your back if you stop stabbing me in mine. And then Meredith says, when I take a shot, I always hit my mark. I don't know. Is she talking about like a liquor shot? or I know what she means, but it's so-so. Heather's is like, I may be a bad Mormon, which is the title of her book, but I'll always be a good time. The show opens with choral music, oh, 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 oh. scenes of the mountain, an aerial view of the city, time-last view of a busy street, uh, people walking their dog, and then we flash to Meredith and Seth playing pickleball. Seth is wearing a t-shirt and some sexy joggers that look way too short. Uh, doesn't look like a lot of a package or nutsack there, but who cares? Meredith has on a pink track suit with some interesting gloves and hand. By the way, uh, Laura, what great detail you are giving here with these notes. Um, Meredith's like, if I lose, you give me a three-hour massage. And Seth goes, <laughs> no. <laughs> and then they both laugh. Uh, we zoom over to Heather's house. She's on FaceTime. And with her daughter, she's like, I'm impressed you're up. Like, didn't you have your fraternity sorority thing last night? And Ashley, her daughter's like, I did go out last night. But, you know, I'm up and going at 8 a.m. Remember young energy like this? Oh, if I could just harness this. If Kourtney Kardashian sold that in a pill, I'd consider buying one of her vitamins. But like that is like a, oh, I remember that, you know, when you'd be like, you know, going out the night before and drunk, you'd be like, oh man, tomorrow's going to be crazy. And then you still wake up normal and feel okay. Man, Heather's like, I didn't know Thursday nights were big nights. Ashley's like, mom, in my defense, there weren't big nights at BYU. And what I love about Heather is Heather really does seem like, she's so thrilled that her daughter is partying it up. Like, she really is. I love Heather for this. She's. I, I wish Heather didn't unfollow me on Instagram and, and support Jen Shaw so much, but I really do love her on this show. We get more clips of nature, birds, aerial view, and then we go over to John Barlow's house. He's like, have you talked to your counselor about colleges or places you want to go to their son, Jack? And Jack's like, not a lot. Kind of just, like, briefly went over it. And Lisa's like... We really got to get serious about this. Do you want me to call the school? And Jack looks at Lisa wide-eyed. And Henry, Lisa's younger son, the really cute little kid, he's like, you know he doesn't want you to do it. And Lisa's like, I know. Um, so there's more clips of nature, a temple, a busy street, the cityscape. And then we flash over to Jen's new house, which I'm just like, I don't give a rip that she downsized. I'm like, I would kill to downsize into that house. Like, you should have been downsizing that from the get-go. Maybe we wouldn't have to be here. Like, come on, man. Just, like, provide a living for your family. I, it's just, oh, this is so frustrating. Jen's like, Bubba, come here. Come try this. And Jen feeds her dog a bit of prosciutto. I mean, that prosciutto probably costs, like, two bucks right there. Let's start saving money. Jen's mom's like, Jen. And she's like, hi, mom. And this is the mom. It breaks my heart that the mom gave up a retirement fund to Jen Shaw. And Jen made a keto-friendly charcuterie snack board. This thing looks like 125 bucks just to make this board. And I'm like, we just never learn our lessons, do we? We never learn our lessons. Also, Jen brings out a puzzle. 
It's an a thousand it's a thousand piece puzzle and I'm just like there's no way she'll finish this before prison. These puzzles are so hard and Jen's like ever since the legal situation happened my mom is somebody I've been leaning on a lot in the confessional. And they sit down and she goes the fact that I can be accused of these things that I'm innocent of I feel like they should do some kind of cl- clock or like some kind of counter in the corner every time Jen says I'm innocent of So that way, when she changes her plea to guilty, we can count how many times during the season she said she was innocent. So this is one right here for those of you keeping track at home. And she's like, it scares me. I need to know that I'm going to be okay. And my mom gives me the reassurance and the comfort. Um, So, uh, yeah, so the charcuterie board really is an interesting snack to serve while putting a puzzle together. The meat is greasy, I would assume. And that can be good for puzzling. I mean, you might be able to jam it in a little quicker, just like kind of lubricant, but I would, I would think maybe, maybe a veggie tray and all this is just health wise. Anyway. So Jen goes, I had a call with my lead trial attorney, Priya, and it's getting, you know, it's getting closer. And Jen's mom's like, yeah. And she's like, yesterday was a mock trial of the prosecution side. And it was rough because you have to sit there and not say anything. And Jen's mom's like, right, right, right. So you have to listen to all these things being said about you where you want to be. Like, no, that's not true. No, that's a lie. And Jen's mom's like, okay. And Jen's like, and you know, so I only stormed out like twice. And Jen's mom goes, oh, that's good. So I have to fly to New York next week. And she's like, next week already? And she's like, yeah, just for meetings with the legal team. All of this money being spent when she's guilty. Jen's mom says, how are the boys doing with all this, though? And Jen goes, it's been hard. Uh, Sharif told me all the other day that he walked into Omar's room, her son, and Omar was crying. He's like, what's wrong? And Omar said, I just don't want to be without my mom, dad. And Jen's voice is starting to shake, you guys. And Jen's mom is nodding her head. Jen's dabbing the eyes with the tissue. We've seen Jen start to cry so many times over the course of the three seasons. But, you know, listen, you can't help but feel for her sons. Uh, You really do, you know. And I just kept thinking this whole scene, it's like, I just wonder... If she's convinced herself she's guilty or if she knows she's guilty. And that is such an added moment of like knowing that you're causing your family pain. Like I feel I feel like she did this. I hate to make excuses for anyone. I feel like she did this to provide a good life for her family. Unfortunately, she did this by stealing from the elderly. But like in the end, her family just wants her. Her family, you know, the sons just want their mother. And she ended up by doing this, by craving the spotlight and these 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 things, um, did this to her son and her family. And I just kept thinking that's so intense. And Jen says it breaks my heart knowing that Omar's worried about with about me. I know how I would feel if I was wondering if my mom would be around because I rely so much on her. You know, if I didn't have a great loving husband and kids, mom, I wouldn't still be here on this earth. I could not get up every day and listen to all of this negative shit that is thrown at me and people saying all this stuff, people that don't know me and all these tweets pop up about Jen. Uh, What does it take for one of my tweets to get up there? My God, like, do I have to tweet? Do I have to be a pro Erica fan or a pro Rinna fan to get on Bravo? Shout out to Zach Peters. Um, She's like, so Stuart pled guilty. Child, there is no way that woman's not going to prison. She'll be out on her 100th birthday or hot take. Kind of hoping Jen Shaw goes to the jail so I can slide into Coach Shaw's DM. Shrug emoji, drooling emoji. So that has to be intent. I would one say, get offline. Get offline. Just completely during this time. It's like what I recommended to Khloe Kardashian. Get offline. 
get offline. You're not going to agree with us. And we all know you're guilty. And we're going to make jokes about that. It's just going to happen. You know, you did not consider those elderly people's feelings when you stole money from them. Just like we're not really considering your feelings when we make jokes about you because you are so lying blindly, you know, rapidly. Uh, so Jan is starting to cry and like, they just want to tear you down until you don't want to live. That's fucked up. Of course. No, but no, I don't make jokes about Jen. So she would take her own life. No, I make jokes about Jen. So it's like, yo, use this as a cautionary tale. It does not end well. She's like, every single day I get bullied. I get bullied every single day. And then it's Sharif's job to come home and try to lift me up this much so that I don't want to fucking kill myself and just not be here. It's too painful every day for a year. I've been dealing with this. And Jen's mom like, Jen, you know, right now, I don't know. It's like, mom, I'm just telling you. She's like, I know, I know. But you know what? I don't have answers for you, Jen, other than I need you here. We'll get through all of this together. And as much as it might hurt the boys and everything else, just think it, what it would be like if you weren't here. She's like, mom, this, this is what makes me mad. Like, no one, ha- I haven't done anything. And my family doesn't deserve this. You don't deserve this. And Jen's mom like, you know what? That's okay. We're strong people. We'll get through this together. Jen takes a deep breath. Lays her head down on the table. She and her mom both wipe away tears and they do the thank you, love you. So intense, right? So intense. Um, But the bully comment also stuck out to me because I've seen Jen bully people online. I've seen Jen bully her uh, staff. Remember when all those leaks were happening with her staff? And I'm sure it's very stressful, but she seemed like a bully to me. Um, And that's kind of when I really rail on a character, like a Lisa Rinna type or something. It's like these people don't seem, they have a different set of moral values that I just don't agree with. Like, you know, knock yourself out, you guys. Be as big of a fan as the Shaw Squad as you want to. But it makes me mad of like, of course you're crying now, you know? I've got to learn to have more empathy. Uh, choral music. Oh, oh, oh. We go over to Whitney's music, uh, Whitney's house. Whitney is also making a charcuterie board. Huge week for charcuterie boards. She's wearing a black crop top with uh, like these leather leggings, combat boots, bold red lip. Meredith pulls up in a Karma GS6. Hey, oh, look who's doing good. I'm doing pretty good. How do you like that, Alicia? Um, uh, I guess also there's a note in here. Seth in the opening scene was wearing a Karma t-shirt. Uh, I didn't, I only knew of Karma as the Jersey Shore Club that they went to on that show. Uh, but I guess this Karma GS6 is a luxury electric car priced at $95,000. So good, good. Hey, I'm Seth. I'm Seth. I'm doing good. I got 4,000 employees and I have a $95,000 Karma. Whitney is putting the finishing touches on this board. And, uh, Whitney is, uh, I don't know, Meredith comes in. And they're doing like some little dog moments, like petting the dog, like sit, sit. And Woody's like, come on in. I was just making you a charcuterie board. And Mary's like, oh, wow, it looks beautiful. You made it yourself? And he's like, uh, yeah, really? Yeah, great job. Chardonnay? Yeah, it would be great. Yeah, fabulous. Thank you, honey. And when he's like, screw top makes mom's job easy. It's a screw top bottle. And Mary's like, right. <laughs> Whitney's kids, Bobby, 12, Brooks, 9, come in the door. And when he's like, hi. And Mary's like, hey, Gage, what's going on? And when he's like, I made them walk today because it's such a nice day. Come give me a hug and go wash your hands. Hi, Brooks. And Brooks is like, can I go? And when he's like, 
did you wash with soap? Yeah, go put your stuff away. We're going to just be Brooks and Brooks needs to meet, Meredith says, because Meredith has a son named Brooks. And when he goes, yes, Brooks, you know, Meredith had a son named Brooks, right? Brooks looks at them and immediately walks away. That kid was like, I don't give a rip about another Brooks. And when he's like, do you want to sit outside? She's like, yeah, let's sit outside. And uh, it's a little cold, so they get a blanket. Whitney in her confessional goes, in all the years that I've known Meredith, she's never shown any interest in coming over to my house and spending time with me. And they sit down. She goes, but since her recent falling out with Lisa, it seems she has time for me. (laughs) Um, So Meredith's like, what's what's going on? Tell me. uh, She's been a little crazy, right? And he's like, yeah, I mean, I feel like I need to ask you how you're doing. I'm okay, you know. Did you have fun at the party? Yeah, I mean, it was awkward with Leisha, you know. It's just, there's no, like, practice what you preach with her. She's just so hypocritical. And then she's always telling everyone else that they're hypocritical and they're wrong and they're this and they're that. She has badmouthed every single one of us in this circle. Do you see what we're doing here a little bit? Now, not only does Meredith sound like my Lisa Renna imitation to a degree, but Meredith is also using a play out of the Lisa Renna playbook of she has bad-mouthed everybody in the circle. It's, you know, pay attention to the broader picture, you guys. She's putting information out there. She's putting doubt in people's heads. She's bringing it up first. And we get a flashback of Lisa trash-talking all her castmates over the course of a season. We got our editor troll right here. Whitney in season one, Lisa telling John, I don't want to lose our liquor license over somebody's wedding in their basement with a stripper pole. Heather in season one, Lisa telling Jen and Meredith, I used to hear stories. I think she was like the one that was like, honor code, what? Then Jen in season two, Lisa telling Whitney, uh, she was meeting up with somebody other than her family about Jen. And then about Meredith, Lisa's infamous hot mic moment that we keep covering again and again. That fucking piece of shit garbage whore. I fucking hate her. She's a whore. She fucked half of New York. Meredith goes, you say to yourself, whoa, why are you so busy trying to put everyone else down in the way that there are all these rumors flying about you? And when he's like, well, what have you heard? And Meredith's like, Jen just made reference to their having been affairs. What do you know? Meredith loudly crushes a crack- cracker and as Whitney stares at her. It's so eerie. I was like, what is it? What is happening? Like, am I having a stroke? And Meredith's like, I just heard that she was, you know, doing favors to help get places to pick up Vita Tequila. I have no idea if it's true or false. It sounds, it sounds absurd to me. Wow. What? Doing favors to help get now Meredith in a tweet this week said I never said sexual favors like what is like I washed I drove her to the I picked you up at the airport <laughs> I, I washed their car to get Vita tequila and and what he's like I know that sounds absurd but it's really not because I've actually heard the same thing whoa and Meredith's like you've heard that which Meredith almost said that line like I was just bullshit but you actually heard that I was just totally making it up that's crazy and when he's like yes I have a friend it's a mutual friend of Lisa's and he's very wealthy and very well known in Utah and I've heard that she slept with him to sway him to invest in her businesses I don't know but I feel bad talking about her the last thing I want to do is sit here and talk about Lisa behind her back I'm just trying to understand like how did we even get here I don't know, but during my last healing session with Megan, my energy healer, I was able to connect to Lisa. We get a flashback to that, and Megan's like, it's still stuck. What's coming to mind doing her energy healing work? When he's like, um, actually, it's Lisa. I always see her as a big, mean, nasty girl, but I just saw her as like a scared little girl. 
the inner child, Megan says. Yeah. We back to Meredith. And Meredith's like, wow. When he's like, when I felt her and saw her, I realized that maybe there is something that is like worth fighting for. Wow. I hear you. I just don't know. At this point in my view, why am I, why am I bothering? You know? Well, Meredith, you're bothering because you're on a TV show. When he's like, yeah, but hear me out. We have this trip coming up and Jen, I know that she needs us and I'm hijacking all that bullshit. It really is going to be about healing. And Meredith's like, <laughs> Okay, for real? For reals. We can do this. We can come together. Okay. Um, we open back up. Choral music. Oh, oh, oh. Flash to Lisa's house. Lisa and her son Jack are playing basketball outside. This is one of my favorite scenes. A lot of people probably didn't even really pay attention to these little scenes, but I love this scene. They're out there playing basketball on the tough uh, driveways of Salt Lake and... Lisa's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, that extra foot you grew is coming in handy. You ready for some competition? And then Lisa takes steroids to do better at basketball, right? No, she goes, Jack's like, yeah. And Lisa's like, shoots and misses. Maybe not. So there's a game montage and Lisa's like, how's everything going with your SATs? Jack's like, very mid-tier. I have to retake them. And Lisa's like, what are you thinking about with college? And he's like, I don't know. Like, do you want to go or no? He's like, I don't know. And he's like, you don't know, like, if you don't go to college, what would you do? And he's like, I don't know, probably end up richer than if I went to college. So walk me through that logic, Jack. Well, I already own a company, so that's like minus a step. So if I just kill it with that, then I can start other companies and just like become successful. I think that's how Trump started, actually. Uh, Lisa's like, in a confessional, Jack has always been a straight-A student. He's a leader, and this whole thing is, like, surprising me. I'm like, why are you all of a sudden so empathetic about not going to college, emphatic about not going to college? And then Lisa tells him, you know, that the way my dad raised me, like, I graduated from high school when I was 17, and my dad was like, you're on your own now, basically. I love you that you have your own business, but you have your own business because daddy and I worked hard, too. And we get a flashback to him selling Fresh Wolf with the other kid. And it was like, you know, it's one of those things. Lisa and the dad did all the work. And, you know, Jack learned it like, this is Fresh Wolf. It's a sign. You know, it was cute. But it was helped by Lisa mainly. Lisa goes, you know, without those kind of connections, it's really tough. And you need to think about that. Like, not many people your age have what you have. But it's also because I want to college, you know. And then Jack, be prepared. Get the kids out of the room. He goes, fudge college, honestly. There's no reason for it. Fudge college. He says the fudge word, but not F-U-C-K. He says fudge because he doesn't want to say. So he's being a rebel, but he's being a polite rebel. Lisa in the confession goes, I don't even know what's happening right now. I don't even, I, I don't know if I pushed back to this point because I was raised so independently. I'm one of six kids and I had to grow up. And I think that I have a very high set of expectations for myself. And I think naturally I just imparted those on my children. And Lisa's like, Listen, this is supposed to be conversational. You're taking it like, I'm just telling you my experience. Just listen. At one point, they do a shot of Jack, and he has his fists like down by his legs, but clenched like that little meme of the the the, the little dude the, with the... What's his name? The little dude with the meme, and his like, fist is clenched. I was like, Jack, calm down, man. The early 2000s was a breeding ground for bad reality competition series. From shows like Kid Nation, CBS weird Lord of the Fly style social experiment that took 40 kids to live by themselves in a ghost town, to The Swan, a horrifying concept where women spent months undergoing a physical transformation and then were made to compete in a beauty pageant. 
On each episode of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop, comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Recently, The Big Flop looked at The Swan, a competition show between women who were hoping to transform their physical appearance. The problem? The women were isolated for weeks, berated, operated on, and then were ranked by a panel of judges. Unsurprisingly, it all led to trauma for the contestants and terrible reviews. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. And Jack was like, college is where they go to build machines, not humans. And I was like, holy shit, is this guy listening to Joe Rogan? And Lisa is like, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, did I create this? And Lisa goes, hey, take a break for a sec. And he's like, no talk. I'm all, no talk. I'm all yours. And Lisa goes, no, it just hurts my feelings. I'm trying to understand where you're coming from. It seems like you're giving an attitude. Like, I know everything. I understand everything. You don't. You have me and dad supporting you. Like, when you can get to the point where you're funding your own business all by yourself, I don't have to invest any money, and your dad doesn't have to invest any money, then you can be like, I got this. I'm amazing. You can't do that now. That's not how it works, Jack. And Jack's like, okay, well, I'm going inside. Cut back over to Whitney's, and this is the scene I'm talking about. And it's just really intense. There's no comedy in this scene. In fact, you can tell she's all flushed. Her husband, Justin, Justin comes in and he can tell. She's like, what's wrong, baby? And she's like, let me fill up your glass of wine. And they move over to the couch and it's like this camera work over on the couch. And I'm not going to do the exact lines because it's just, it's very intense. And he was just like, you know, I was talking to, um, uh, she was talking to one of her, her relatives, her brother, and... She was trying to plan a get-together with him, and she, he said to her that he was doing therapy and healing work, and he shared that he was doing EDMR. That's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It's a type of psychotherapy that treats emotional symptoms that follow trauma. EMDR can help anyone whose emotional disorder stems from troubling or traumatic events. And um, so that's explained. And Whitney's like, Will, her brother, told me that he, like, through EDMR therapy remembers that Whitney was actually abused and she just doesn't remember it. And in a confessional, she says a lot of her childhood had been blocked out. And she goes, I've been on this healing journey and I've relied on other family members to help fill in the pieces because as much healing that I do, there are certain things that you cannot remove from a child's brain. All of those memories that I've suppressed are all flowing through me now. And there's just so much pain. I'm just feeling so much pain and so much anger. And it just feels very overwhelming to take this all in right now. And Whitney is sobbing at this point. And to Justin, and she's like, I don't even know if I'm like comfortable saying it, but when Megan, her energy healer, came to our house and we saged the house, every bathroom we went into, she was like, There are so many demons in your bathroom. I don't know what it is with you and bathrooms. And Justin's like, Did Will say something that gave you some clarity on that? And she's crying and nods yes. And she's like, It's so fucked up because I'm still so scared to say what I know and what I remember. Like, this is real shit. And then Whitney, because Justin's like, babe, I'm so sorry. This is so messed up. And Whitney goes, like, like, but do you still love me? And he's like, of course I do, babe, of course. What a beautiful moment. But also, like, for her to think that is, ah, but do you still love me after this abuse? Which that's, you know, really like what the human mind thinks sometimes. And uh, 
just so brutal. She says, as much as I often question if I, it would be easier to not know and unsee and unremember it, I don't think so. Like, I think, I think that you have to allow yourself to go through it and acknowledge it and survive it. And uh, there's trauma hidden deep, deep inside of me, and I know that. So that was that scene. And it really was one of the more intense scenes I've seen where I almost felt like I shouldn't be there. Um, but, you know, hats off to Whitney for sharing that with the audience. Uh, now we are at uh, Heather's house. Heather's in her bedroom packing with her daughters. And they're, like, going to Arizona. And Heather's, like, packing, like, lingerie. And the girls are like, you going to try to get laid in Arizona? And Heather's like, listen, Jen said she wanted a lingerie party. I do not want to let Jen down ever. Yeah, why ever let Jen down? Let's continue to let her rule the gang for the rest. Like, when Jen's in prison, is she going to, like, give marching orders to the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City cast? Like, come on. Uh, there's more montage of the city. We see Jen in the closet with Coach Shaw, and Jen's holding up lingerie, and Coach Shaw's like, what are you doing? What is this even for? And Jen's like, we're going to plan a little party. It's going to be called Garbage Trash Whore Lingerie Party. And Coach is like, that's the theme? She goes, yes. And he goes, please don't. That's not good. Uh, Jen goes, I'll just say GTW, GTW. Coach hangs his head in despair. Uh, we cut to more aerial shots of the neighborhood, then Justin again. And Justin's like, are you sure you should be going on this trip, Whitney? He's like, yeah, I mean, it's not the best timing. But for me, what's really calling me to Arizona is like me just trying to heal and connect with my family and move from all the past trauma. But maybe don't like this trip is supposedly for Jen. Like maybe let's not put so much pressure on the trip. Um, she says after she got off the phone with Will, she called her other half-brother, Curtis, and told him I was supposed to be coming to Arizona on a girl's trip, but she didn't know if she was strong enough to go. But he said, no, come. You need to see me, your sis and your sister. We got you. We're going to be there for you. We'll help you get through this. And she goes, it feels right, and it feels good to be, like, connecting with them. So hopefully that is the right call. We're at a 6 a.m. timestamp. The, the sun is rising over a mountain, and it is the day of the Arizona trip. Whitney and Lisa arrive at the airport. They hug their husbands goodbye and head to their flight. I also like that the husband, the husbands acknowledge each other. Bro, bro. Whitney in a confession goes, I invited Lisa to fly ahead with me because the thought of the five of us flying together right now, I think I'd have a full panic attack just trying to make sure no one got in a fight, specifically Lisa and Meredith. Whitney goes, I think the other girl's flight gets in in a little bit. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. They're not too far behind us. Um, we see Heather and Jen, uh, and Heather's like, I love Arizona in the w winter. And the producer says to Heather, you don't seem that enthusiastic about a girl's trip to Arizona. Heather and the confessional go, it's the redheaded stepchild of Utah. It's just Utah warmer and with more white people, if that's even humanly possible. Now I'm from Arizona. I don't necessarily agree with this, but it's funny and it, it sets up for a funny bit. So this is what's great. This is called reputation, repetition, uh, re repetition, repeat, repetition, repeat, repetition, repeat. And then uh, you switch up the joke. We always did this in acting class when you break down a, a comedy scene for like a sitcom. So you're setting this like Heather bags on Arizona. Then Meredith goes, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind Saint-Tropez Ch or Bali or the Maldives. Something like that. Then you continue. Whitney in a confessional goes, well, I don't think Jen can leave the country. And then we cut to Jen go, USA all the way. Yeah. So it's like you set up that bam, bam, you switch it. And then Jen goes, USA all the way. And it really solidifies that joke. It was a really, I know that sounds silly or geeky, but it's like perfect editing. 
I hope you understand what I'm talking about. You, you understand. It was really funny. So uh, we flash the scenes of Scottsdale and zoom in on the house they're staying at. And, uh, oh, my God, Laura found the Airbnb listing for this place. Laura, you are killing this thing, Laura. I am looking at the house. The house looks insane. Well, not when you get it. It looks insane because it's so outdated, but it's a huge space. Uh, there's a gol- mini putt course. It looks beautiful from these pictures. It's $17.50 a night. It's a lot of money, but it sleeps 16 guests, seven bedrooms, 15 beds, six baths, only six baths. Interesting. Hmm. 17.50 a night. That seems steep. I will probably not be going with this place at all, but like good shout out to you guys. The, uh, the funny thing is though, with this is it is just, uh, it, the, the, the inside is not good. Is that how, is that how we say? Yeah. It's like not, it's very old. It is it is very old, uh, but it has 4.73 stars on the Airbnb site. You know, when he's like, oh, we're here. And Lisa's like, oh, my gosh, very long driveway. Everybody's like, oh, my God, so pretty, so pretty. And when he's like, hello to the welcome, the Becca, the property manager, when he's like, so happy to be here. And then they show him the house and they go inside. And when he's like, walking into this house, I feel like we've stepped foot into Mary Cosby's grand foyer. It's almost like Mary is still with us. And we get a flashback to Mary's house from past seasons and a quick shot of Mary's ghost in the kitchen saying, woman, woman. That's great. Mary Cosby, right? Um, listen, this cast is firing on all cylinders. Each one of these ladies is providing such great entertainment, unlike when they had that season of New York last season where it was just like too little of a cast where it just didn't add up. But this, they are, they're all working. So I don't really miss Mary. But then when you actually put her, you're like, oh, man, like, oh, I miss Mary a little. Like, I would love her just to pop in for like a, a like a a spot of tea or something just every now and then like you can't really have a good conversation with her because she's wacky so it's like she's never going to be really a good scene partner but she's going to have that she's going to have that kathy hilton-esque like kathy makes more sense than mary but it's going to be that kind of thing where she'll pop in say something so batshit and like kind of act so wild remember when they just let her in the house by herself in her house and she was just talking to mannequins in the closet like that was like she had no scene partners and i was like Still made it entertaining. But anyways, they're seeing the master and Lisa's like, it's just like Dynasty. And Lisa's like, it literally looks like Barbie's dream house circa 1984. This house is massively outdated, but I do think it's a good party house. Everything looks outdated in this, but it's a really big space. Like, I mean, like, it's a big space. It's a cool big space. Like, it is. Nobody can argue that it's a big space. Um, we flash back to the Chiron Scottsdale, Arizona day one. Now I love when they say day one on shows like this, because you know, the next couple of episodes you are going to see just in Scottsdale, Arizona. When he's like, I'm going to get my swimsuit on. We need some sun. And Lisa's like, we never get to spend one-on-one time together. It's been nice. Cheers, Lisa. I was like, yeah, you never get to spend that because you thought she was a dork. You were so mean to her. Also, I, I got a. Just as a dude, I got to tell you, man, I'm so ashamed of myself. I was just looking at those those two huge gazongas in Whitney's bathing suit. And they're just very big. And they could be potentially used as flotation devices. Listen, if they had that on the Titanic movie, that Leo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet would have both survived. One would have held on to one, one the other, and they would have been 
great. Um, but it was very distracting. She literally puts a margarita glass in between the boobs and the margarita glass doesn't even move. Like that's what we're, we're talking like that. Like it's wild. I do think she's gotten a boob job since then. I don't know why I'm whispering and I don't think it's going to offend you any less, but um, I do think she's gotten a boob job from like, it looks like they're smaller maybe. I don't know. That's my, I don't know. I bet we get a plot line where she does get a breast removal. I bet we do. Didn't Tamara have that storyline in OC? So anyways, they are jumping around. They're cheers in. And Lisa's like, you're the good time girl. Sorry, Heather, you've been replaced. Well, thanks for inviting me to come in early with you. And Lisa's like, oh, I'm starting to understand you better. She's like, well, it helps me too. Because I started like this path of healing. I'll share with you. I like don't remember my childhood. You blocked it out. I blocked it out. And it goes, it goes pretty deep. I started doing this energy work and I'm just like starting to have memories. I'm going to be honest. It's like really hard for me to talk about right now, but it's just, sorry. And he's like, it's okay. And this is, you know, Whitney trying to open up to Lisa and like, is Lisa going to take it in? And Lisa's like, when you say block out things, like I don't necessarily block out things, but I remember things. I'm like, it was stressful for me. Um, like my sisters and I were talking about like childhood traumas and my parents were like raising little kids and I'm the middle child, but I assumed everything for all my sisters. I was like the one to like even do my sister's hair like every morning before school. Like my parents both worked and I like, I got three younger kids ready for school. I've been an adult my whole life. Isn't that wild? Like I really like them. This is what I fucking like though. I like when they open up and we care enough about these characters where I'm like, that's fascinating. And it really does show us how these characters become who they are, you know? Lisa in a confessional goes, you know, when I started college, my dad was 39. He had two other kids in college. He had already funded two missions. Those are Mormon missions, you guys. Had three younger kids still in school. We just knew that we had to support our parents. Like we just knew. So we started to lean on each other. And when anything goes wrong for any of us, we are there for each other. And like, I'm very close with all of my siblings. So for me, like, you know, when I say, oh, I love you like my sister, that's a big deal to me. And when he goes, yeah, because I'm so used to having girls around me, like, but not everybody loves me the same way back. And I'm realizing that, like, for example, like, I feel like even with Meredith now, here's the thing. Should Lisa have asked more about Whitney's trauma instead of bringing Meredith into the situation? I was fascinated with hearing little bits of Lisa's because you're like, oh, okay, I could see where that eventually becomes the Lisa Barlow we know. Like, for example, like, I feel like even with Meredith, I was definitely more invested and in love with the idea of being like Meredith's best friend, like her sister. And it wasn't, it wasn't what I thought it was. At least in a confessional says I was a great friend of Meredith for 10 years. And it was like my own mistake and made her feel like, you know, I was like my one mistake. And I made her feel like you're a horrible person. You haven't been my friend for 10 years. I'm like, that's bullshit. That is bullshit. Listen, I just think this is such a hard truth that Lisa said in a hot mic moment that I just don't think you can come back from it, unfortunately. But I also thought it was more of an even friendship. I thought Lisa was the power player, really. And maybe I watched that wrong. I, I was looking at their Instagram followings, too, and Lisa, I think, has one of the lowest, which I was like, wow, I thought she... You know, it is it is weird. Like, Meredith has the highest. And to me, that's weird. Like, I'm like, I like Meredith, but I don't know. It's weird. I wonder how much of those are bots, you know? When he goes, I love you both. And I think that you both share very similar feelings on it for different reasons and different causes. And maybe it's the point now where they can be a conversation and she can hear you. Have you talked to her about it? And there's a long pause. And when he goes, yes, 
The Sprinter van pulls up, which, by the way, there is a camera in the fucking Sprinter van. Thank you. Thank you for finally putting a camera in a Sprinter van. See how easy it is? We got a footage of them in the Sprinter van. Heather's like, Zach the snack in regards to their driver. Heather always flirts with everybody. She goes, oh, my God, this is awesome. Look at it. All right. And he's like, how do you feel based on your conversation? And Whitney's like, I think that this is you and Meredith's fight and battle. Yeah, but how do you? I don't want to get. How do I feel? I feel like that's between you and Meredith. Lisa's like, hmm. So the ladies come outside and they're all like, woo. <laughs> or they're about to come outside. And Lisa and Whitney are still talking. Lisa's like, I've forgiven myself and I can't control what she, if she forgives me. But I do know, like, if there's a path for resolution, like, I'll be on it with her if she wants that. But she has to want it. It's not up to me at this point. But I can't wallow in self-hatred. And I'm not going to slip my wrist for anybody at this stage in my life. Like I said, sorry for times. If they can't forgive me, there's nothing I can do about it. And when he's like, um. And that's when everybody comes out. And basically everybody's like, woo fireball jen goes oh i missed you and shakes whitney's massive boobs uh which is you know you gotta love i mean the moments like that you're like ah it's kind of funny jen um we go to commercial break we come back exterior shots of scottsdale uh lisa and the confessional says i do wear glasses i don't have them on right now but i can definitely see that meredith does not want to talk to me and i don't want to push myself on her and whitney's like it's definitely very awkward between Lisa and Meredith. I didn't expect them to have like a warm welcome with each other, but I expected something like at least a hello. And the producer says to Meredith, do you feel like saying hi to Lisa? And Meredith's like, no. Then Heather goes, we looked for Kit Kats and sugar babies for you. All we could find were hot tamales and milk duds. And Lisa goes, they were out. They were out. What do you mean they were out? Oh my God, have you seen this kitchen? This is awesome. And when he's like, yeah, so I'll give you the rundown. We have a shaman coming. <laughs> I love this normal life. We have a shaman coming to Scottsdale and she recommended not drinking. And the women are like, what the fuck? And when he's like, yeah. And I was like, did you explain a little bit about our background? And when he's like, listen, this is my third attempt at doing healing with you. If this doesn't work, I'm retiring. Remember they did healing each season. When he says, thank you for like indulging me on my journey to heal. And I know that Jen needs us now more than ever. I just wanted a girl's trip getaway for Jen to come together and to spend time and just show our love and support for you. And Jen's like, I wasn't expecting this. And she starts to cry. And I was like, we got you. And Jen's like, and I really need it now more than ever. Thank you. What's your social security number? Can I open a credit card in your name? Jen in the confessional goes, it's time like these that you really see who shows up for you. I feel like everybody shows up for Jen. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't know. So he goes, these four women, they've shown up for me, and I'm very grateful. And um, so they're all still saying, good home, good home, great, great, great. And Whitney pre-picked out the rooms to avoid any drama. Uh, she says, there are only two things that I need to make sure happen, that Meredith is on one end of the house and Lisa on the other. And Whitney to Jen goes, we decided to give you the master. And Jen's like, oh my gosh. And Heather's like, she keeps getting the best room every time. And Jen's like, in a confessional, ever since the arrest, all I know is I keep getting the master bedroom. Hopefully you'll get the master cell in prison. Like, right? Like, do you think she'll get the big one? Are there big ones in 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 jail? Like, I don't know. Live it up, I guess. Whitney's like, wait till you see the bathroom. We're all going to be getting ready in here, high school style. 
And Jen's like, you guys, this is like literally a Barbie dream shower. Jen says, I mean, maybe this is the one area where things are working out for me. Besides all of the time you stole the money and they were, ugh. Uh, everybody's showing the rooms. Whitney get, got all these gifts of PJs, slippers, the whole thing. And Heather and Whitney are talking. And Heather's like, the energy when I walked in was weird. I was surprised by Jen's reaction. So you got really emotional when you said what the trip was for. And Whitney's like, well, I mean it. I really hope that we can all like come together for her now. And Heather's like, yeah, what is Lisa's expectation? Was she nervous about seeing Meredith? And Whitney goes, she's not nervous. No, she should be nervous, Heather says. Why is she not nervous? Well, she's being really vulnerable. And that's, I think, a good place to start. And I was like, for sure. When he's like, I just feel like icky because I don't want to put in the middle of Meredith and Lisa's fight. You have Meredith who's coming to me with rumors. And Heather's like, Meredith has talked to you about rumors about Lisa. You can totally see her girl boners like doing. And when he's like, mm-hmm. And Heather's like, I'm trying not to smile. Why does that make you want to smile? You didn't know? And I was like, because I can't believe that Meredith would ever. Has she not shared anything with you? Nothing. Oh, she fully came over to my house and brought up rumors about Lisa. I made a big charcuterie tray for her. And Heather goes, rumors about what? Um, like affairs. She only alluded to affairs. And Heather goes, multiple? Yeah, but what Meredith has heard out of Meredith's own mouth that Lisa has performed sexual favors for the advancement for the advancement of fresh wolf <laughs> no, no, for the adva- for the advancement of vita and heather starts to laugh and i was like vita tequila and when he's like yeah so the people would take it and heather's like stuff by the way this is when you can tell this scene that heather and whitney are fans of housewives because they're in this scene to me it's like heather is almost watching this scene realizing how fucking funny this storyline is because it really is there's shades of ridiculousness in this storyline that i think we can all agree on because to me like i just i will be shocked if it's proven that lisa really did because just lisa does not like i'd like to take your willy out if you'll put vita tequila and like you know like i just don't see it and when he's like yeah so people would take it I know. And then she'd be like, isn't that absurd? And Heather's like, who? Who is she servicing? Vendors, bartenders, bar owners, state liquor store officials? I know. It sounds absurd. However, listen to my point. Now is that I've heard Lisa out and I feel like I've gotten to know her. I feel bad because I fully like participated. Mormons hate gossip or they, they, they love it, but they don't like to do it. Like I know that firsthand because I've heard the same rumors about her too. Part of me just wanted to like give her a heads up or like ask her about it. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Like what would you do in this position? Heather in a confessional goes, need I remind you that we are on a girl's trip for Jen and this is not time to give Lisa a heads up about horrible rumors that Whitney may have heard. Hell no, don't say a word, which this is housewives, so you know what, we don't listen to what Heather says. We do it. Heather goes, I think our goal is just to celebrate Jen and we'll deal with that after this. Uh, More shots of Scottsdale. Um, We see the shaman Cassinia. Also, Laura killing these notes. She says uh, her name is Cassinia Boop. Bublikova, and she is based in Scottsdale. She offers breathwork, shamanic healing. Shaman! Which, by the way, <laughs> coming up, I think, Meredith says shaman, but she says Sha- shaman, shaman. She says it so weird. Radical self-love workshop. She's like, this is her website. <clears throat> her breathwork runs for $170 to 70, $100, $177 for an hour. 
and you can Zoom in person. And it looks like she has breathwork event coming up on October 16th, if anybody would like to join. 177 for an hour. I've seen some shysters in LA charge a lot. So that doesn't really strike me as insane. Anyways, Whitney greets the shaman. And Whitney's like, I'm really excited to meet with the shaman because I feel like now more than ever, I need to release this pain and this heaviness. Who better to do this with than a group of girls who are equally as fucked up? <laughs> Lisa comes out and goes, let's heal. And so they start. And uh, Whitney in a confessional goes, Meredith is late once again to one of my healing ceremonies. But this time I'm starting without her. And there's a saying amongst healers in the universe. Those who need the most healing, avoid healing. Oh, burn. Shaman burn. burn. We flashed to Meredith getting glam in her. Like, why are you getting glam for his like... I went to Shaman to see she's dealing with a knockout. Uh, we hear a cell phone ringing, and Mary's like, Hi, honey, how are you? And Seth's like, Hey, good, how are you? I'm good. Have you seen Lisa yet? Well, I'm in a house with four other people, so, um, yeah. Have you gone over where all the exit doors are? Uh, 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 uh. And Seth's like, What's on the docket? And Mary's like, we have a shaman coming. I'm not sure if that's like the right thing for me right now. Meredith in a confessional says, I've worked with a shaman before and it was an incredible experience, but really intense. And my current dynamic with Lisa definitely plays a big part in the hesitation to run outside. You know, you're operating your energy and you're opening your energy. And she's shown me that she's someone I shouldn't be practicing. Uh, I should be protecting my energy from. We flash back to the backyard. The ladies are sitting on the ground, yoga style, wrapped in blankets, facing the shaman. The lady's like, okay, I'm going to pass around this mixture of cacao elixir. Cacao is a deep heart opening medicine. I knew it just like Lisa Barlow. I thought it was like a chocolate, like the uh, the healthy chocolate. I don't know. And anyways, everybody's drinking. It helps the body supposedly to heal, detoxify, give your immune system a good boost. The experience of raw chocolate within a cacao ceremony can also assist in energetic healing and getting clarity in the areas of love, purpose, intuitive abilities, career, and personal growth. Um, Oh my God, Laura even put a recipe in here. I should put that on the Patreon or something. Heather goes, I thought it would taste different. And Whitney's like, yeah, it's not hot cocoa. And Heather's like, I would like to release this flavor in my mouth. And Lisa's like, is it weird that I like it? <laughs> Jen's like, yes. And Lisa in a confessional goes, I love chocolate. So why wouldn't I love cacao? It's earthy. In a confessional, she goes, I'm boring. I've never done a drug in my life. I've never even smoked weed. I barely take Advil. Like, I had my augmentation with nothing. I, like, went and got a Diet Coke after. How can you not love Lisa Barlow? Like, the specificity there. And also, that's another thing. You just, like, this is somebody that's never cut loose like that in their lives. you got to respect that. That takes a wild person. Like, truly. Like, she is dealing with no alter. Like, I mean, Wow. So the shaman says, set an intention and we're going to release it. It can be something small. It can be something big. Once we let go of that pain, we create all this space to call in whatever we truly want, literally our life's desires. Guys, I got to tell you, I like shit like this. I'm like, fuck yeah, man, let's do this. We'll start with Whitney. Go ahead and share what it is you're releasing. And Whitney's like, I'm letting go of the past trauma, past hurt. And what are you calling in? I'm calling in oneness. And then they seal the intention by drinking from their mugs. And when he's like, I am releasing shame of not making my family proud. And I want to call in love and understanding. They drink from their mugs. Jen says, I'm releasing the fear of going to trial in 30 days. I'm calling in my innocence. 
there we go again, second time this episode, Innocence, and to just show my family that I love them every single second of the day. Again, they drink, and Lisa goes, I suck at this. I'm releasing hurt and sadness, and I'm calling in love, support, and kindness. Um, then she goes, go ahead and close your eyes and hold that cacao to your heart. As the cacao starts working through your system, we, we're going to go ahead and start with breath. Have any of you guys ever done ayahuasca? I've always wanted to, but I guess like you see your own birth and stuff. Like It's wild. Like You're poisoning your system, but you have like these deep trips on it like i don't know kind of interests me (laughs) um as the shaman is talking we flash to meredith walking down the steps and she's like i'll tell you guys a little bit about breath work oh hello and Meredith's like hello and she's like welcome and go ahead and have a seat whitney in a confessional goes when you arrive late you don't get to pick where you sit and now meredith has to sit next to lisa lol for the lady that joined us a little bit late do you have something that you want to release that you want to share with the group yeah, the fact that everybody thinks I've slept with half of New York. Uh, Meredith's like, um, uh, Meredith's like, I'm not ready to share right now. And the shaman's like, okay, okay. Um, all right, ladies, go ahead. Use the cushion you're sitting on. Flip it, flip it, rub it down, flip it and go ahead and lie down. We're going to start the breath work together. And all the ladies are breathing and they're like, good. Remember what it is you're releasing, what it is you're letting go of. You are not what happened to you. That doesn't define you. Let the tears come. You don't have to hold back. Oh, I love this. Uh, The sun has gone down now. It's dark outside. The shaman is now on the ground next to Jen with her hand on Jen's head. And the shaman says, holy shit, you're guilty. No, the shaman says... I'm right here with you. I know it's scary. And Jenna in a confessional goes, my eyes are closed and I'm just seeing the people that I love most in life. Coach is so strong. He's like my biggest cheerleader, but it's hard for him. A family photo flashes the screen. Just like I'm sure I know it's hard for my boys. Omar wondering if I'm going to be at his football games or Reefy wondering if I'm going to be at his white coat ceremony in medical school. It's just stuff we don't talk about, but like just the reality of my situation right now. I hope she also thinks about her victims at times as well. Uh, the shaman says, you're so worthy of love, unwinding yourself from all those stories. They're not yours to carry. Lisa's getting emotional. The shaman gets down next to her and has her hands on Lisa's head. And she said, okay, it's okay. Let it come up. Release. Good, good, good. Lisa in a confession goes, what I was expecting to release was the hurt and sadness I felt with my friends. Okay, there's lots of coming up. There's lots of emotions coming up here, the shaman says. Lisa goes, what I ended up releasing was a gigantic fart. Now, what I ended up releasing was something totally different. It wasn't what I was expecting. And the producer says, what did you release? And Lisa, in the confessional, says, abandonment. And the showman's like, okay, big release is coming for you. Big shift's coming for you. You're ready to like, let it go. I know you are. I feel it. Lisa in the confessional says, it's about this memory that kept coming to her mind, you guys. And she was a little girl. They were in this play area and there was a slide and she kept going down the slide. And her dad said, last time we're done, we're leaving. We see a photo of little Lisa at age five flashes on the screen. Wow. And she goes, I waited till they walked ahead of me. Then I turned around, ran back to the slide. After about 20 times going down the slide with the other kids, she went up to the desk and told the lady, Hey, I don't know where my mom and dad are. And that's the only thing that thought that kept going through her mind during this time. She says, Oh my God, you didn't even notice I was gone. Her own parents didn't notice she was gone. And isn't that cool? I thought, I love that. De- I love the details in Salt Lake so far. The shaman says, Beautiful ladies, really good releases. <laughs> so I tell. That's what I tell myself after I poop. Really great release, Ryan. Really great. Stay with it. Give yourself this gift. Meredith in a confessional says, as I'm going through all of this, the truth is I'm being brought to where I was last year. And of course, that was the death of her father. Also discussing her nephew's mental health issues. And, um, you know, so it's bringing her back to that place. 
Uh, Heather in a confessional says, I did not pack a Costco-sized box of Kleenex because I did not anticipate so many tears. This is only night one. So on the count of three, one, two, three, they all big, do a big yell. And they're like, Pow-, she's like, powerful work, everyone. I just want to applaud all of you for being so brave. Whitney in a confessional goes, the whole point of this experience with the shaman is to be vulnerable and open and to work through something hard. What I got from that experience is that I'm going to need my friends to lean on and help me get through this. I can't do this alone. Uh, Shaman's like, how are we feeling? And Jen's like, my body was like numb and tingly. And I fed off like I could feel everyone's energy and it helped push me a little bit farther to release more. And the shaman's like, and how about you, Meredith? What was that like for you? And Meredith goes, it was intense. It's not my first time working with a shaman. (laughs) This is when she goes, it's not my first time working with a shaman. And so I apologize to all of you for not getting here in a timely fashion, but I had some anxiety about it, to be quite honest. It stems from not feeling very safe. And I was like, do you feel that way like right now? Like after this whole experience, do you feel any safer? I'm very much triggered by our last trip and having my father's death weaponized against me. And now I'm here with this same group uh, a few days after the anniversary of losing him. And it's a lot for me. Lisa turns to Meredith. Well, I used to feel like I was a safe space for you. And I'm sorry. Meredith turns. You are not a safe space, Lisa. And Lisa's like, I know. I said, I... Never mind. I won't say another word. Lisa gets up and goes into the house. And Meredith to the other ladies is like, I mean, I'm not going to lie. We return to the backyard after commercial. And Jen's like, what did Lisa say to you first? And Meredith's like, she said she used to think that I was a safe space or she was a safe space for me. And I said, you are not a safe space. I'm not going to lie. And I was like, I'm going to go grab Lisa. I'm just going to see if I can convince her to come back. And then she's like, oh, my God, my legs are asleep. And Jen's like, Meredith, I'm here to work through things with you and give you support for whatever you need. Because uh, I know how painful and hurtful it is. Once again, I want to remind people that Jen is one of the first people to bring up the rumor that Meredith slept with somebody in New York in the first season. Yeah, like, okay, Jen. Jen's, Jen really, I think this first time, this guilty verdict is the first time she's escaped the clutches of anything. Um, so she goes, ladies, you're probably starving. So maybe maybe at dinner time, this could be a lovely segue to keep these conversations going. Heather goes to get Lisa and it was like, okay, I just walked away. I was like, come, come. Heather's like, nothing's going to get resolved tonight. But if you walk away, it just breaks. And Lisa's like, I just needed a break. I know, I know. But now you're coming back. Thank you for coming to get me. And Heather's like, I think sometimes we just have to sit in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I'm fine sitting in it. And I was like, I know, I know. Um, so they go out there. And this is the seating arrangement. It's Whitney Meredith at one side, Heather at the head of the table, and then Lisa and Jen on the other side. So Whitney is facing Lisa, Meredith is facing Jen, and then Heather at the head. Um, another charcuterie table, get, uh, charcuterie board gets brought out. So once again, man, charcuterie. Wow. Lisa's like, oh, wow, thank you. I was like, oh, I'm starving. I don't know about you, but emotional breathing takes a lot out of me. Jen's like, thanks for putting this together, Whitney. This is awesome. Thank you for for participating. It feels good to come together. Where did everybody set as their thing to release? And Heather's like, you want to start to Jen? And Jen's like, well, I wanted to be able to release the fear of going to trial in a month. Um, you know, from the fear of attorneys saying, oh, there's a new discovery in the case. And I got in the car the other day. It was like three in the morning and I drove to my dad's grave. And Mary's like, ah, oh, geez. And Jen's like, so coach is like, oh, hello. How, where are you? And then I blocked him and all the ladies laugh. And Jen's like, he did nothing wrong. But, you know, I was just having a moment. Listen, dog, this ain't the time to be having any more moments. It's got to be fully focused on your family. Like, I know you're scared probably, and you're probably even more scared because you know you did it, but, you know, we don't 
be blocking our family at this point. Like, listen, you go to your dad's grave. I totally get it, but you do not block. Maybe you even tell him you're going. You this this your family that you profess to love so much. It's time to stop doing this. And all the women like laughing, like, oh, girl, get it. Like, no. At least that's my opinion. Jen says. So coach is like, yeah. She, sorry. Jen in a confessional says, every time the phone rings, I don't know what I'm going to hear on the other end of the phone, what the new accusation is, what if there's a new motion that needs to be filed. I'm on edge 100% of the time. And Heather's like, I think we all kind of saw Coach Shaw's party, how much love and support you have. That felt really good to me as your friend to see, you know, the family show up, celebrate Sharif, celebrate you. Um, and then Lisa goes, are you okay, Whitney? Because Whitney's wiping away a tear. And Whitney goes, I've been on this healing journey for honestly, probably a year now. She says a lot of her childhood is blocked from 9 to 17. And as I'm doing this work, the memories are coming up and it's been really hard. She was in a very abusive situation. She lets the ladies know, but I like stuffed it so deep that she blocked all memory of it. And Heather looks stunned. It was like, you? And Whitney goes, yeah. And Meredith goes, you are brave, Whitney. Next time on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, we see the women get in on the Jen Shaw Express where they drink a bunch. Then we see the women watch this horse ceremony of some sort. We see Heather and Meredith talking. Heather asks Meredith, are you just going to move on with Lisa? And Meredith goes, Meredith's like, I'm not willing to open myself up to somebody who's just going to stab me in the heart. And Heather's like, stop being a condescending superior bitch. We flash to a dining room table. This is the intense part. And Whitney says to Lisa... I have talked with Meredith about rumors about you. And Lisa screams, does this feel fucking good? Like fucking hurt me more. And Heather says, I didn't know. I didn't know. And Whitney screams, I have told you everything, Heather. We were at the jazz game with Angie. And she goes, that's who Lisa slept with for the jazz tickets. Lisa sleeps for jazz tickets too? Lisa sleeps for everything? And Jen goes, wait, what? And Heather responds, well, guess what? I didn't hear that fucking nugget. And Whitney goes, you are lying right now. And Heather yells, fuck you for calling me a fucking liar. And she's pointing at Whitney's face. Most intense thing I've ever seen between the two of them. She walks away and turns around and shouts, fuck you. Walks out of her room. Boom, you guys. Wow. What an episode today. This one is going to win awards if there's awards for a reality show podcast that lasts way too long. Remember to use the timestamps, guys. And thank you for joining us. We have a long week of shows. So Eat heartily to give yourself the energy to listen. But thank you guys. If you like this five-star review, and thank you to Laura Beth Harp that knocked these out of the park. That was great, man. Thank you so much. That helped me so much. Um, Okay, you guys, I will talk to you bright and early on Tuesday. Go sign up for the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash so bad it's good. And remember, reach out to us about BravoCon. Bye. Betches.